Lucky we found a local guide in that saloon. Yes, I really thought we were going to get shot. Especially when you insist on playing snap at the card table. I like snap. Yeah, but everyone else was trying to play poker. I won, though. No, no, you didn't. Look, I'm not going to explain this again. Juan, you're sure the symbols on this map refer to this cave you speak of? Si, senor. We are nearly there. The cave is below the mighty smoking mountain, Kabuchka. The mighty what now? Did you say smoking mountain? As in, a volcano? Si, senor. Very big volcano. Is it active? Si, very. And when did it last erupt? 11.52. Ah, well, that's not so bad. That was ages ago. No, senor. It's past time for the next eruption. It's now 15.37. Oh, I see. You were working on the 24-hour clock. This volcano, it erupts every day, then? Several times a day. See. Si. Is it safe? Oh, see, si, see. Si. The mountain, she's very safe. Us, not so much. Super. I'll be fine. Sorry? We'll be fine. Look, if this map Victor gave us is correct, in this cave we will find a fabulous bejeweled crown. Look, there's a crude representation of it drawn on the corner. See the prongs? Oh, yes. That'll look lovely on you. Well, most things do. But in this case, it says here in the notes that the wearer will be able to summon a spirit that will grant three wishes. Like a gin? Oh, well, I'd love one, but now's not the time to be drinking. No, I mean a de gin, like in genie. Oh, right. Yes. And my ticket out of this hellhole. Sorry? Our ticket. Our ticket out of this hellhole. But what if Miguel warned Victor, and they're expecting we might do that and try and stop us? Well, I have a trick up my sleeve to prevent that. I don't think at that point crying will help. Ah, senor, here it is, see? See? No. See? I already said yes. No, not see. See. Your language is very confusing. My language? I think he means see, as in do you see that bloody big cave in front of us? Oh. Madre de Dios. Always here to help. You know, this jungle is amazing. I just bumped into some headhunters. Really? Yeah, they just offered me a job in IT. Great pay package. So, are we going into this cave or what? Stay here, Juan. This is a job for the experts. See? And when do they arrive, senor? Shut up. Come on, Gary. Okay. Something I've been meaning to ask. Is it okay to refer to Juan as a Native American, do you think? Why would you need to? I'm writing a journal of our, um, journey. For posterity, you know. You're writing a journal? With what? Crayons? No, actually. I'll have you know, I've had compliments for my writing. From who? My nursery teacher. She said it was the best letter A she'd ever seen. Of course. Anyway, to answer your question, no, it's probably not okay to refer to Juan as a Native American. Hmm, I suppose you're right. Don't want to get cancelled or anything by the woke brigade. No, no, it's not that. He's from Seville. What? Yeah, I was talking to him on the way here. He moved over to study Mayan and Aztec history. He may be smelly, scruffy and ruggedly handsome, but he's something of a genius. Well, shouldn't we bring him in case we need anything translating? 
Hmm, that's a good point. Sorry, it's these shorts. I'm not used to them being so loose. Oi, Juan! I've changed my mind. You are coming with us. Well, if it's all the same to you... It's not. Come on. Would you look at this? There's writing on the wall here. It looks ancient. Do you think it's a clue? Mm, Pedro was here with an O. No, I don't think that's a clue. Oh, well, what about the funny symbols under it? Where? Let me see. Ah, uh, oh, yes. Very interesting. What are they? Well, they're symbols of some kind. They are the ancient language of the Huitzilin. You can read them. What does it say? Pedro was here. With an O. Great. But under that, much more faded is the symbol for Huitzilopochtli, an ancient god, and an arrow pointing left. That's more like it. But there is also a warning. I need to decipher exactly what it says, Signor. Okay. Well, while you do that, Gary, lead on. Why do I have to go in front? Because you have the torch. No, I don't. Um, okay. Just hold this. Hmm. What is it? The torch. Okay. Hey! Go on, get a move on. But Juan said there was danger. No, he didn't. He said there was a warning. And warnings usually mean danger? No one ever got warned that free ice cream might be imminent. You say potato, I say potato. I don't think I've ever heard you say potato. Ow! Oh my god, I've got a dart in my leg. Where did that come from? Out of the wall. It, yeah, that's where they usually come from in my experience. It's probably poisoned. What? Oh god, I, f I feel hot. I need an antidote. Quick man, an antidote. Okay, okay, chill, chill out, chill out. Give me a second. Right, right, well, right, okay, so years ago I had this mate back before I met you and he bought this car. V8 turbo, walnut veneer panelling, marvellous machine. I said antidote, not anecdote. So you don't want to hear about this car then? No! Fine, you might not get another chance. What are we going to do? I don't know what you're worried about. I'm the one who's going to have to watch my best friend die in agony. Stop thinking about yourself for a change. It's me and Juan who are going to struggle to get out of here. Funny. But what are we going to do? Well, I know what you're going to do, but I'm not the heartless monster people think I am, despite that hurtful poster campaign you started. We should sit here and rest. Vigorous exercise will cause the poison to spread through your veins faster. But while we sit and wait for you to... Uh, well, you know, how about a podcast? So, what album are you going to make me listen to in my final hour? Well, it's going to be Phil Collins' third solo album, No Jacket Required. What? No, wait. So, in my final moments on Earth, you're going to make me listen to Phil Collins? Yes. May flights of angels sing you to your rest. Or Phil Collins, at least. Right, OK. So, all I really knew about this record going in... I'm not going to repeat here. We'll leave it for the end. <laughs> the other thing I know is that it was released in 1985, what? January. Yes. Now, there's some debate over whether it was released on the 25th of January 1985 or on February the 18th, 1985. I heard that. What's that about? I don't know. But however... in Thanks Phil, for being so insightful here. In Phil's autobiography, still not dead yet, he specifically says it's January the 25th. 
that he was released. He should know. So he should know. So mm. therefore, you can ignore anything else. According to Phil's autobiography, January the 25th, 1985, it was released. And to be fair on this, it sold a lot of copies. It did sell a lot of copies. So it's Phil's most commercially successful album. Six times platinum. Six times platinum, yes. It sold over 12 million copies in the US. Sold over 2 million copies in the UK. Overall, worldwide, it sold 25 million copies. And just think, if he'd released it December, uh, it'd have sold a lot more, because so many grannies must have got that <laughs> as a present. Oh, yeah, exactly. But it, it's one of the best-selling albums of all time. Not that year. Actually, it was beat that year. Yeah, no, but, but of all time, it's one of the best-selling yeah, albums Yeah, it is. But that time. year, it was only the second, it was second to Dire Straits, yeah, Brothers in Arms. Exactly, that's right. Don't know how many copies they sold, but a lot more than 14 million or whatever it was. I think it was two more, actually. Yeah, two more. Yeah. Yeah, just pipped into the post. Just pipped. <laughs> so it's no surprise, having sold so many copies, it was number one in both the UK and the US. Indeed, and several number one singles in the US as well. Yeah, played to death on the radio. Yeah, there were no number one singles over here, but they were all top 20. Well, they're not, because they seemed to be everywhere at that point. Did, didn't they? This is the point where Phil was everywhere. I mean... Against All Odds came out just before this album, and that was number one. So it was recorded between May and December 1984 at the townhouse in London at the Old Croft in Shalford, which I think is Phil's home studio, actually. Really? I think so, yeah. Um, but just think, it's like between May and December 84, finished in December 84, released in January 85. We've said this before, though. <laughs> that time... Yeah. They didn't, they didn't sit on the shelf being produced and produced and produced till they fell off no, the earth. Exactly. They just made them, shipped them out, job done. Yeah, now, yeah. A, an artist can take years to produce an well, album. Exactly. I mean, you've got, for example, Marillion spent six years making their last album. Now, to be fair to Marillion, they weren't recording it and then sitting on it for six years, but they took a hefty break. See, I don't know how you can work on a project for that length of time yeah. without losing the impetus that you had well, to make it in the first place. Yeah, that's the thing, isn't it? A, I think the trouble is, artists aren't doing that. They're, they're not writing a song and then three years later recording it and releasing it. They're just not recording and releasing anything until it's done. But back in, back in those days, Aye. you know, you get an artist like Phil Collins who spend six months recording an album and it'd be released the week after. But this, is, this would be <laughs> akin to us doing our first podcast mm. and not putting it out till now. Well, Thinking exactly. about it, though... Taking that time to produce mm. it might have been a good idea. That's true. I mean, we are actually recording this in 2018 as well, so, you know, yeah. there is that. Yeah, well, we've decided to spend some time actually polishing it, haven't yeah. we? Yeah, but it was, it was co-produced by Phil and Hugh Padgham, who, you may remember, helped Phil develop his signature drum sound while yeah. working on... Yeah, Gabriel and he Blue. used it a lot on this album. He flipping well did use it a lot, In fact, he? some would say overused. He may, maybe, maybe, maybe. We'll jump back to that in a second. It was received fairly favourably by critics when yeah. it came out. yeah. There's just, um, I think only Susudio draw the wrath of critics because mm. they said it sounded like Prince's 1999. Well, it did. We'll come into that when we get to Susudio. We but, will indeed. Um, Phil never denied that it sounded like no, in 1999. Fact, in fact, when asked about it, he says, well, yeah, I'm a big fan of Prince. Yeah. He never denied it. He just yeah. he just rolled with it. Exactly. Went, Ripping off 1999. How could you go wrong? Exactly. I mean, nowadays, of course, Phil would have to put a Prince songwriting credit on that obviously because everybody's so flipping touchy ah, but ghostbusters music. changed that whole thing didn't they? Uh, yeah exactly yeah. Yeah. so you can't be get away, away with it anymore won't no. be able to get away with it now no 
Um, it won three Grammy Awards, including for Best Album in 1986, which is a bit weird because it came out in 1985. But as we've established in the past, the Grammys don't seem to care about what year things were released. No, they just seem to pluck them at random yeah. sometimes. And you think, hang on, wasn't that album released two years ago? Yeah, exactly. So there were three singles released in the UK. Seems to have been a lot more. It's because they were played to death. They were. They played to death. Also, bear in mind as well, at this point, you this year, 1984, as well as the three singles from No Jacket Required, you also had Easy Lover, which was a big number one hit. And we're still playing on the radio at this point. Yeah. And also Separate Lives was released, which we reviewed in our film episode. Yep, yep. So, um, so that's probably why it felt like <laughs> there were lots and lots of singles off this album. I mean, the one thing everybody goes on about the 80s, how great the music was... Mm. And to be fair, I am going to cover this a bit later on when we come to the end of the review of this album. Yeah. And they always go on about all oh, the great bands that were out, uh, Die Straight, Simple Minds, mm. blah, 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 blah. And they were the sound of the 80s. Mm. But they were wrong. Mm. Phil Collins was the sound of the 80s. He was. He may have only done a couple of albums at this point, but they were played relentlessly on yeah. the radio. Yeah. And I think if you went back in time and turned the radio on in 1986... 90% of what was coming out of the radio would have been Phil Collins. Well, he was pretty ubiquitous by this point. He was what? Ubiquitous. Was he really? Yes, he was. In public? Um, in public, yeah. Wow. He wasn't even arrested. God, so, as some, well as the his, nerve of the man. <laughs> as well as his own stuff, obviously Genesis were big now, um, but he was also producing a lot and also making guest appearances on other um, artists' works. So Eric Clapton, for example, he yeah. was on quite a lot. And also he was on Band-Aid, of course. He was... Mm. Played on the well, on of that. course on this album as well. We've got some guest appearances. We have, so, we um, have you know. some surprise yeah. guest appearances. Little swap places. and change, little swap and change. Little bit, little bit. Speaking of Band Aid, of course. Yes. That came at the end of the tour for this album, didn't it? It did indeed. The tour started on February the nineteenth, nineteen eighty-five, at where else? Nottingham Theatre Royal. Did it really? It did indeed. Wow, just round the corner from just us. Just round the corner from us, yeah, where we saw Stevie O. Hackito. Mm, I've seen him several times there. Yeah, I've seen him several times there. Um, but yeah, it went all around the world, quite literally. Went to Australia, Japan, South America. Ended up in the US. Uh, ended up on the 2nd of July, 1985, at Madison Square Gardens in New York. To be fair, it was probably quite a cheap tour, because he only needed a minivan for him and that bloody drum machine. <laughs> it sounds like it, doesn't it? Mm. Um, but it was 83 dates around the world. That's a lot of dates. It is a lot of dates. I mean, that takes you back to the early Genesis when they were touring Italy and well, stuff. Yeah, I mean, for saying that they not long before that finished touring with Genesis, you know, in 84, the Mama tour. Yeah. And then to go straight into this, basically, it's a bit... No wonder he was a workaholic. No wonder he has trouble with his relationship. Well, exactly, yeah, exactly. So he was able to have his wife Jill travel around with him, so maybe that's why that relationship lasted a bit longer than some of his others. Um, <laughs> maybe. <laughs> <laughs> but like you said, he immediately followed up the tour with his appearance at both London and Philadelphia Live Aid concerts. Yeah, now he wasn't the only one who was supposed to do that, was he? Originally, there were a couple of other bands that were supposed to that's join him, and right. they chickened out. That's right, so it made it look like Phil Collins was being all, Ooh, look, I can do both, because I'm amazing, I'm Phil Collins, I'm going to do both, you can't stop me. But it was actually <laughs> about... Everywhere. It was actually about three or four bands that were supposed yeah. to do that, but they all just went, you know what, Phil... That sounds a bit exhausting. I don't think so. Mm. I don't think any of them came from East oh, London. Like Mark but... <laughs> I think Mark Knopfler's in Newcastle anyway. <laughs> <laughs> Alright, Phil. Paul McCartney here. I don't think I can do both. Alright, Paul. I'm better than you anyway. Cause you're, you're really old, aren't you? Actually, it, it still sound like a Skyser. Skyser. Yeah. What do I feel? 
No, that's Birmingham. Oh, no, I feel his poor McCartan in here. Oh, no, I had a pretend to come from Liverpool. Ah, yeah, I'm going to Philadelphia on that Concord like. Ah, <laughs> oh, no, Paul McCartney, I'm not, not unless you're doing it. Oh, no, if I'm doing it, he'd be busting, won't it? Probably Oh, fields forever. That's not what he sang, but I'm trying to think of one. <laughs> can't think of one off the top of my head. Anyway. Hey, Jude. Yeah. Hey, Jude. <laughs> Don't take it bad. Take a sad song and make it busting. <laughs> Remember. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, keep going, yeah. So, yeah, obviously, he played solo at uh, Wembley. And then he jumped on a Concord, flew to Philadelphia, played disastrously with Led Zeppelin. Led Zeppelin. Led Zeppelin. Led Zeppelin. Ah. Um, and then did a solo performance over there. I think he might have played with Eric Clapton as well over in Philadelphia. Cool. Um, but yeah. I never actually saw the Philadelphia footage. I only saw it because I watched it at the time. Yeah, I was, was watching, I was just in the UK live. Yeah, and I've not seen it since, but they did cut to... Phil um, during the UK performance because they were cutting between some of the bigger artists and Led Zeppelin were on but yeah the whole debacle about Led Zeppelin it's been fairly well covered everywhere else but apparently they didn't give him any time to practice so he was playing the songs from memory and because they weren't sure whether he'd make it there on time they'd got another drummer anyway so there were two drummers and the other drummer apparently didn't want Phil there and was playing against him so it made Phil sound like he wasn't keeping time or doing the right notes when he actually was, just because his other drum was playing something different. Drummers, eh? Yeah. And uh, apparently he fell out with Jimmy Page about that. So, But there you go. Yeah, so going back to the production of this, Phil's making a conscious effort to be more upbeat uh, on this album. So what do you think? Did he succeed? I mean, yeah, we'll talk about well, it at the end, but... Yeah, OK, we'll talk about it now. Yeah, compared to his last two albums, this one's phenomenally more upbeat. Yeah. I know we're going to cover this at the end, but mm-hmm. you put this album on, it just bangs out the gate. This is an album that comes out the gate and says, you will like me, mm. except some of you are going to hate it. <laughs> and I'll let you decide which one of us that falls into that category a bit later. Well, yeah. But, yeah, it, it's just it's power most mm. of the way through this. There's only two, three quieter tracks, mm. and the rest of them are just in your face. Yeah, they are. He's also starting to get a bit more political on this album as well. There's a couple of tracks on there where he's making a political statement. I didn't notice the political well, we'll, statement. We'll get to that and, and we'll get into the songs. But yeah, Ooh. he was making a conscious effort. I mean, obviously that would play out a lot more on his next album. Yes, yes. But, but seriously, most of the songs evolved out of improvisations with his drum machine on this album. I don't know if you could tell. I think <laughs> I caught the possibility of a drum machine nearest, in this. Nearest hint. A hint. A, a minuscule. Quantum Just of her hint. a little hint of a drum machine. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but then that was the era. It was. I mean, you go to the middle middle eighties, and I'm going again. I'm, I'm no. You know what? I'm not going to talk about that here because mm-hmm. I'm going to rant much later in the mm-hmm. podcast about this. Good. And by using the word rant, I'm using that correctly. Good. Yes. Good. You do you. I'm gonna. I'm gonna just do me because, <laughs> as you know, that is what I do best. <laughs> Obviously, this album was huge, as we know, and it ended up in pop culture. It ended up in a lot of charity shop bins as well. <laughs> Most specifically, it ended up in American Psycho, where the psycho of the title, Patrick Bateman, discusses Susudio in particular and this album as the pinnacle of '80s Phil Collins. I would agree with that statement because hmm. it's gibberish. 
but poppy gibberish. Yeah. Hmm. It's a pinnacle, isn't it? I mean, pinnacle. I mean, let's say this is 85, so we are literally halfway through the 80s, and it doesn't get any more 80s than this. No, no, it doesn't. Again, I'm going to come on to this mm. in my later rant. Yes. Okay. So, what about the cover? We'll what did you think of now? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. What did you think of the cover? Oh, it's pretty rubbish, isn't it, really? Phil Collins came up with this idea, you know? Yeah, I know. Mm. I think Donald Trump took this mm. as inspiration Big for his look. Head. Big, orange, sweaty <laughs> head. Yeah. Yeah, because it, it's uncanny, the, re- the resemblance. Yeah. Apart from, if he'd had a blonde wig on mm. on the cover of this, yeah. you'd have thought it was Trump. Big, orange head. Um, yeah, I'm not... It's a bit... It's, it's a bit meh, really. But it's it's in line with his other album covers. Well, exactly. It's a, a big picture of Phil's face. I think what he was trying to do with these was basically a slow motion photo fit. Do you think? Because he's going side on, front on, top down. <laughs> I think he was just doing the whole... I think he, the next one, if he carried on the theme, I think the next one would have been the back of his head. Mm, probably, yeah. Mm. I mean, it's a fair... Well, the back of his head is the back cover of Face Value. Is it yeah. really? Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. So I'm right then, that's yeah. what you're saying. Yeah. yeah, there you go. <laughs> okay. I mean, it's a fairly striking cover because it's it's orange. so orange, mm. um, and the the EP that we released later on, Twelve Inches, which featured remixes, extended remixes of some of the songs on here, that was the same picture book tinted blue. Ah. So that wasn't quite as as eye catching as the orange. Funny you should say that. I have seen that cover before, mm. and I always wondered what it was. Yeah, I think that might also have been the same picture they used for the Susudio single cover as well. That might be where I've seen yeah. it. Then. Yeah. Um, the close-up of Phil's face becomes his signature style of his album covers. I wouldn't have done that if that was my face. Yeah, I mean, but there I think, you go. I think there are only two of his albums. I think it. I think what he needed to make this stand out was a really corking moustache on there. <laughs> Do you think that would have that would have made that like album his, cover? His moustache he wears in the illegal alien. Yeah. Video, and a or he. Even, or even a dashing goatee. Mm, I think that would have worked better. But well, like Mirror Universe Phil. Oh, yeah, Mirror Universe Phil. <laughs> ah, that would have worked because this is a complete sort of yeah. different side of him, this yeah. album. Exactly. So, so, yeah. But, yeah. but it's a striking cover, but it's not a particularly good cover. Fanny was a Trekkie. He could have come up with that idea. Good. Mm. Good. But yeah, not a particularly good cover, but striking. Striking. So. Then again, that's the important thing. It, it doesn't is. have to be a good cover, just something you remember. I suppose so, yeah. That's true. You can spend millions on the artwork, but if people don't remember it, mm, and you can't true. point to it and go, I know that album. I mean, it's simple, isn't it? It's not It's not like you're digging in, looking for different little details and things, like you might do with a Roger Dean yeah. cover. Yeah, you could spend hours over those. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So, yeah, it depends what you want from And cover, you could have it? those as a great poster. You could. This, if you had it as a poster, would scare the tits out it of would, you. It would, especially if you woke up in the middle of the yeah. night. Yeah, that's not going to be a good look. Yeah. You'd think you had a demon hovering over yeah, your exactly. head. Exactly. Again. <laughs> but the name of the album, No Jacket Required, there's a couple of different versions of this story. I have heard one of them. Yes, which is the one you've heard? Tell me. The one where he was refused... Well, he was out on the pool with Mr Plant, mm-hmm. and they went to go into this restaurant, yeah. and Robert could get in, because mm-hmm. he had a nice natty jacket, yes. but Phil had one that was, as the management said less than suitable and yes. wouldn't allow him in. Yes. Is that the pl- version you've heard? See, that's that's a version yeah. I've heard. And apparently Phil would say, tell that it's apparently the Pump Room restaurant in Chicago. That's the one. And apparently after sharing this story on many, many interview shows, eventually the Pump Room sent him a sports coat and told him he would be allowed in wearing whatever he liked. See, I'd have taken him up on that and just yeah. turned up in shorts. Yeah, just turned up just in that coat. Bare-chested bare shorts. So he should have done that anyway, just walked out completely nude, just put a jacket on and walked and said, right, I've got a jacket on. Or a thong. Yeah. 
<laughs> Jack so, it in a thong. That's so, how I do it. So well, you know, that's how I usually do it. Well, exactly, exactly. That's what you're wearing now. So without the jacket exactly <laughs> no jacket required. <laughs> <laughs> um, but the story that Phil tells in his autobiography it is what in his autobiography I thought that's what you said in his autobiography is slightly different in that he wasn't going to a restaurant he was at the Ambassador's Hotel in Chicago with Robert Plant and Robert Plant was wearing a, a loud checked suit and Phil's wearing a leather jacket and jeans um, and they went to the bar and the barman refused to serve him because he wasn't wearing a suitable jacket. That's in his autobiography, so I'm inclined to believe that one more. But then you've got the supposedly him saying the first story on TV. Mm. But also, it was another incident that he mentions in, in his autobiography. Mm-hmm. So he was on holiday in the Virgin Islands with his wife, Jill. Right. Um, and he tried to go into a restaurant and he wasn't wearing a jacket. And the maitre d' refused him entry, saying, you must have a jacket, sir. And he basically said, oh, I'm on holiday in the Caribbean, aren't I? Well, why will I have a jacket on? It's stupid, isn't it? And they wouldn't let him in. I wouldn't let him in just for that voice. Yeah, exactly. Mm. Is this stupid, squeaky voice is, he's got. This seems to be happening to Phil a lot, not getting into places. Yeah. You'd, you'd start carrying a jacket round just in case, eventually, wouldn't you? A pack a mat A pack a mat at least. <laughs> Something, yeah. yeah. Depends what sort of jacket they're supposed to I suppose. <laughs> So that's the name of the album, and yep. that's the cover of the album. Yep. Um, who's on this album? Who, who's on this album? My, that's a fine question. It is a fine question, isn't it? What a jolly good question I've just asked. Mm. Well, I'm going to tell you. That One of the things I was really pleased about was mm. that Daryl Sturmer finally gets a mention. It does. I mean, he three co-writes on this album, and in many ways this is very much Daryl Sturmer's album as well as Phil Collins's album, isn't it, really? Mm. I mean, it's a heavy emphasis on guitar on this. Um... Oh, is there though on a couple of tracks I will agree with you however there are several things on here mm. they're going to become apparent when we start doing the reviews yes. especially when we do Susudio yes I'm going to mention here why I'm questioning that alright fair enough we'll go into that in a minute but you also get uh, the Phoenix Horns again of course of course regular collaborators you gotta um, and then you get a bass from Leyland Sklar who joins Phil's band and as still in Phil's touring band mm, so yeah. that's good and you get a load of other people as well but they're not worth mentioning really are they no there's nobody special on there is there <laughs> helping out nah, nah can't think of anybody that no nothing's coming to mind listen listeners if you want to know who's on this album either get your CD copy or your vinyl copy and have a look at the credits or just go on Wikipedia like I did and yeah. it's all on there it's all on there. Wikipedia's great. Everything we ever say is on there. Pretty much. Yeah. Yeah. I don't do much research. <laughs> so, my last fact for you, before we go into looking at or listening to the songs, Phil Collins, at this, this point in his life, is 34 years old. Can you believe he's 34 years old and he's selling 12 million albums? It's hard, isn't it? Because this is the pop charts. Yeah. You don't expect anybody of that advanced age... And I'm saying that from a little past that. Um, you know, you, everybody... There was, like, all the teenies. Mm. I mean, the oldest person in the in the charts at that time was, like, 17 or something ludicrous. Yeah, well, I'm more amazed that he's only 34 years old at this point and he's selling so much and he's done so much. Con- that is the thing, isn't it? Considering his history so far, especially mm. with... Not just only with Genesis, but yeah. the other things he's also collaborated on at this point. Yeah. He's a man with a lot of experience up to now. Yeah. And it's like, he's really 
really just starting his career. Yeah, exactly. Despite all the success he's had with Genesis, mm-hmm. he's now about to go stratospheric. Yes, he is. And it's just unbelievable. You think back, though, to the early 70s when Genesis were recording, and think back, way, way back to 1974, when they were recording The Lamb Lies Down on Broadway. Yeah. And they were all in their early 20s. Yeah. You know, they were 22, 23. What an achievement. I was. I can't even imagine. I wasn't doing anything of significance at 22. You're still not. Well, I was about to say that, actually, <laughs> but, but thank you so much for pointing that yeah. out. Yeah, I mean, when I was 34, I was a loser. Still am. <laughs> you got there just before me. I did. Yeah. Um, so, you know, t- I wish I'd been selling 12 million albums when Funnily I was 34. Funnily enough, I wish I'd been selling 12 million albums as well. Yeah, I wouldn't have liked my albums, though. They wouldn't have been as popular. <laughs> no, it might have been Ace. Yeah. Yeah. Would they? Oh, yeah. 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 <laughs> so, anyway, that's all the facts I've got for you today. So, shall we go into the actual tracks now? Let's have a listen. A listen. Let's have a listen to Susudio by Phil Collins. Does Phil Collins record all his drums in the Stew Stew Studio? Right, moving swiftly along. First thing to say about this track: Yep. Susu Studio is completely made up word. It is made up word, isn't it? He, as Phil seems to, he sings along random words and sounds as he's recording the music to his songs, which. 
as far as I'm aware, is a fairly common practice amongst singers. Um, and he came up with Susu Studio and then couldn't find anything that scanned as well when he came to record the actual music. No, because it's supposed to be the name of the girl in the song, yeah, isn't it? it's a bit of a weird name. So, 1985, Marillion have released Misplaced Childhood with yeah. obviously their big hit single, Kaylee. Kaylee wasn't a name before that. Was it not? No, it was not. Um, because it was named after Fisher's girlfriend, who was called Kay Lee. Lee was her middle name. Did not know so that. So the dad called her Kaylee. So that wasn't a name before 1985, but it became such a big hit that the name Kaylee became a name that people called their kids. So they tried to find a different name to substitute, but nothing scanned as well, as in this case. But Deirdre, is it too late to say I'm sorry? It doesn't work as well. <laughs> you know? Yeah. So anyway... So this is pretty much what's happened here with Phil and Susudio, in that Susudio is supposed to be the name of the girl, but you couldn't find anything scanned better. Nobody's calling their kids Susudio, though, are they? Odd that, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. It does sound like Susan yeah. with a stutter. Yeah. Yeah. Susudio. Kaylee Susudio. So is a name Sudio, and he's just got a stutter? Sue? Sudio, perhaps her surname's Sudio. And she listens to Dio. Yeah. She sued Dio. Oh, maybe. Maybe. There you go. Yeah. Her, perhaps her, name, her surname is Sudio. Okay, so... And her in, first name in, is Susan. Enough Susan of it. Back to, back to the song. Back it's to the song. Susan this will go Sudio. on forever. Go Shut on for up. But anyway, it's a made-up name. Yeah, it's a made-up name. Made name. This track is four minutes, 28 long. It is. That's a long track. It is. Quite a long track, yeah. And that's, that's pretty much the same as every track on this album. Mm. Some are a little longer, some are a little shorter, mm -hmm. but they're all of approximately this length. Yes. Yes, they are quite long songs, yes, admittedly. This one, how yes. can I describe this? I know it's a great hit, mm -hmm. and it's a good opener. It's a great opener. It is a great opener. That opening drum machine. Yeah. That is a great opener to the album. It is, it is. I love that one. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Although it's a great opener, and it is very powerful, mm. and it's banging, and the rhythm's... Catchy catchy and the rhythm's there and everything it is a repetitive it is it is i think you could forgive that though if 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 that didn't slowly become a pattern across the rest of the album that is true which and we I'm... probably shouldn't go into just for a minute but no i think for me i love this track i think it's a really memorable one. Oh, it's, it's memorable you know the, the fact that susudio is nonsense Actually adds to the 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 memor the memorability. It's <laughs> <laughs> not even a I don't word. Think that's a word. No, it? it's not a word. But it adds to it. Um, if it was if it was just a name, mm. I don't think it would be quite as memorable as it is. Yeah, you're right. It does add to its memorabilization. Memorabilization. Yeah. Yeah. Um, no, I mean it's a it's a great pounding track, mm. but for me, it set the rot in for this album. Mm. There's so many synths on there mm. and drum machines. Yeah. But as I started, and this is where I, I was on about at the beginning of this, mm. um, where I doubted oh, the guitar. No, 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 I doubted the guitars <laughs> on there because I started yeah. wondering what was actually an instrument yeah. and what was actually a yes. synthesized instrument. Yeah. Yeah. So when we're going through this album, I'm thinking, that's a nice saxophone. Is it a saxophone, though? Mm. Um, and so I think for me, that detracted from the musical appreciation mm. of this album because I wasn't sure what was yeah. and what wasn't just lazy synth work. Mm. Apologies to all synth players, mm. but you know what I mean. As far as I know, on this album, whenever you hear a horn, it's the actual Phoenix horns. Yes, I know, because so. when I looked into this, you see the, the accreditation yeah. for who was yeah. playing what, and mm. you go, oh, that was actually a saxophone there. Yes. But this this track, 
because of its use of the drum machine mm. and the synths, mm. it just started me doubting what was real in, in this album and not. So yeah. I, I was a little less appreciative of the music. Mm. The other thing that was less appreciative was that bloody drum machine. <laughs> God, it's everywhere on this album. I mean, is. this is what I was talking about. When he toured with this, he mm-hmm. could have literally toured this entire album with a drum machine and a synthesizer. Yeah. He didn't need a band on this, mm-hmm. with, with the exception of a couple of tracks, which we will come to. Yeah. But this is it's blighted by the use of a drum machine, I mm. think. I think the album as a whole... I have comments about that as well to go Ooh, over. Later oh, we're going to be fighting later, aren't we? Yeah. But yeah, but I think as the first track on the album, I don't think that bears on it to start off with. No. Just because you've not listened to the rest of the album. It's just a foreshadowing of what is to exactly. come. But standalone, mm-hmm. it's a belter. It is a belter. It is a really divisive song amongst Genesis fans as well because apparently they don't like fun. What? <laughs> yeah. What? Genesis How fans, the barrel? Genesis fans tend to hate this track because it's not miserable enough i guess i don't know but let's say all right so face value opens up with in the air tonight very memorable drum machine yeah. very memorable you know mm-hmm. drum break yep fantastic yeah and then hello i must be going which started with i don't care anymore which is effectively the similar thing but yeah. a big drum sound mm. there yeah but very different songs neither of them are particularly Beat up tempo. You couldn't dance to "I Don't Care Anymore." You couldn't dance. Well, you to could, but you look like a loony. Well, yeah, you couldn't dance to "In the Air Tonight," but again, you, you could, could, but you'd, you'd look, look like, like a loony. loony. You can dance to this. I mean, Phil's intention of making a dance album. Yeah. I mean, this is funky. It's got this the same. Is... It's got that soundtrack. Yeah. It's got that driving rhythm that that's repetitive. Yeah. It'd be great for a dance. Yeah. But it goes on a while. Yeah. You'd certainly get a good workout. Yeah. Dancing to this. To be honest, when listening to this, I immediately like this track. Mm. But about the three-minute mark, I'm going, ooh, yes. is this going anytime or soon? if you were dancing, by the one-minute mark, you'd be going, <gasps> yeah. <laughs> yeah, sort of thing. Definitely. Yeah, yeah. You'd, be, you'd be looking at your pint on the table over by the side of the dance floor and thinking, yeah, yeah. it's calling me. <laughs> it's calling me. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. That's the advertising slogan I came up with. They didn't want it. but <laughs> More for them. That's what I'm saying. Them. Yeah. So this was the first single to be released in the UK. It got to number 12. Really? Yeah, not too bad, I'm but not great. Quite surprised at that. I'm surprised it didn't go higher than that. Um, in the US, it was the second single to be released from the album, and it was number one. That's hardly surprising. So I believe it was the second number one from this album. I think third number one from Phil in a row. I know we keep harking back to this, but in the 80s, um, there was a lot going on in the music scene yeah, in England. So he was up against a lot of stiff competition mm. from different genres. Mm, um, he was. So it's not as clear-cut as it is today, no. music-wise. No. Which is something else I'm quite prepared to rant on. Yeah. I mean, shall we go to the next track? Let's. <laughs> well, only you know and I know.
So, carrying on the break from the sound of Phil's first two albums there, this yep. is very much a rock track, isn't it? First one co-written by Daryl Sturmer on the album. Um, fantastic guitar solo from Daryl. Yeah, I mean, this has got a great driving beat, and mm. it does not let up all the way through this track. Mm, it doesn't. But again, there's so much synth in here. It's just... It's a lot of noise, but there's yeah. no real soul to mm. this track. Well, I was going to say that. See, it's, it reminded me of Hanging by a Thread from the Mike and the Mechanics album that mm-hmm. we yeah, reviewed, yeah. in that it's a rocking track. You know, Hanging by a Thread is a real guitar yeah, it is. rocking track. Yeah. It's very shallow. Yeah. There's not a lot of depth to it. It's And this is the same. It's got the, the chorus, mm. um, which does keep coming back repetitively. Yes. As choruses do. They do, that's the point. But that comes back. this comes back so often, yeah. it actually... Makes this seem more repetitive than it is. Yeah, yeah. There's no surprises in this. No. But that's the thing. I mean, you'd no. expect... I mean, I know it's Phil's solo stuff, and he's not quite as... Um, doesn't have quite as many cakey changes as the Genesis stuff, but this is pretty much... It goes the same... It, you know, it's the same tempo all the way through. It's the same song all yeah. the way through. I think it's a great song. I really like this track, but it doesn't change up anywhere. It doesn't... No, Move no, to it, a different it, place. it's pretty much. But that's the same with most of this album. Yeah. There's very few like solos yeah. on this album. It's based as this is a rhythm-based mm. album. Yeah. It's the same rhythm all the way through. Yeah, I mean, there's there's no key changes apart from a couple of tracks yeah. later on, which we'll come yeah, to. Yeah, exactly. Cool. Um, but predominantly, it's again kind of a dance beat. Mm. The problem with that, <laughs> and I'm, this is the problem I'm having with this album so far. Yes, this is so overproduced. It's like they're desperate for a hit single. Mm, mm. No, you mean. And this is this has got the please like one of these tracks. One of these mm. tracks has got to be a hit. Yeah. And they're not settling down. Yeah. To make a good song. It's yeah. all driving rhythm, driving mm. rhythm, driving rhythm. Yeah. And that's weird for this because it's a rock track. Yeah. But what it's about mm. is a couple breaking up. Yeah. That doesn't seem to really go together yeah. in my mind. It, this should be Something a little slower, something a little more meaningful. Yeah. For what the theme of it is. Yeah. But it's not. It's it's just an in-your-face rock track. Yeah, that's the thing. It's very lyrically typical Phil. Yes. Um, and in fact, there's the line, um, all love is blind, which is apparently, according to Phil's autobiography, is apparently um, something that his mother-in-law at the time said when after she'd first met him. So apparently they met and then she said to... To Jill, who would be his wife. Well, love is blind. <laughs> That's <laughs> what? Yeah. Basically saying, couldn't you have found somebody better looking to bring exactly, home? Yeah. What? What that little troll? And then, <laughs> what are you talking about? Then people wonder why you don't get on with your mother-in-law. Yeah, this yeah, is exactly. a prime example of yeah. that. So yeah. Wow. So apparently, that's where that line came from. So Bet Christmas was a bit raw around <laughs> their house. So, uh, love is blind, eh? <laughs> Pass the crackers. <laughs> <laughs> crackers, my lord, etc. Yeah. yeah. Um, but musically, it's not. There's no, you know, there's no emotion. Well, there is emotion in it, but there's no rawness to the emotion like there was on Hello, I Must Be Going and Face Value when Phil was actually talking about his actual breakup of his relationships. And like you say, this is about breakup of a relationship, but it's almost like it's a leftover lyric that he's added upbeat, up-tempo yeah. music to. It must have been an interesting conversation when they brought this mm. one together, because Daryl must have said, Hey, Phil, oh, I've got this great rock track. Listen to this. I don't think he sounds like that. He's American. I think he's more like, Hey, Phil, i got this really great rock track. Do you want to uh, put some lyrics to this? OK, we'll see which one of these is more 
you're racist, right. yep. I'm going to say yours is. Okay. So I'll stick with mine. I say, Daryl, if you're listening, just send us a little voice clip so we can compare the two, please. Yeah, that'd Thank be great. No, because I know what it will say. <laughs> sure thing, Simon. I'll send it to you immediately via the email. Yeehaw! <laughs> yeah, and then Phil has gone, Oh, that's a shame, because I've got this love track I want to do. <laughs> oh, I've got, a, I've got a lyric all about somebody breaking up with their, their relationship. I can add it to that, can't I? Super. That, that must have been just what it sounded like. The conversation like. must have been exactly that. Yeah, but again, with this track, it mm. really overstays its welcome. It is quite long again. Yeah. It's like four and a half minutes or something. Yeah. Isn't I it? mean, that, that, as we were saying earlier, that is an average for this, this album. Yeah. Um, but it just, it, it's repetitive. Mm. And eventually, it just, like a, a couple of other tracks on this album, it starts wearing you down. Yeah. And you just think, please finish and go to the next track. Yeah. I've heard enough of this mm. track. I like this track. I think it's a good track. I love Daryl's guitar solo. I think that is superb. And I really like the use of the Phoenix horns on this as well. I think the Phoenix horns are brilliant on this track. Yeah, yeah. Um, but overall, I would agree that it could probably have a minute shaved off it. It'd probably be even better. Yeah, but I just think this over, overstays its welcome. Yeah, yeah. There are some nice bits on it, and it starts well, and it sounds good. Mm. But this could have been two and a half, three minutes max. Yeah. Okay, well... Let's disagree on that then, but I like it, but I do understand your point of it being a bit too long. That's Simon for You're Completely Wrong. Yes, it is. So, shall we go on to the next track then? Shall we? Long, long way to go. So that was long, long way to go. We do have a long, long way to go. So we do. This is track. only third track, yeah. God. <laughs> so what do you just think? Well, there's the track three change of tempo that we've become used to from Phil and Genesis. Well, yeah, we've been waiting for this, haven't we? <laughs> yeah. yeah. Yeah, there we go. Um, I love the haunting and subtle intro to this track. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Um, I'm trying to think of what the instrument would be where it's, it's kind of a sort of marimba sounding keyboard isn't it yeah. sort of thing i suppose yeah i don't really know because i'm not a musician am i no um but yeah no i like it i, I quite like it it's the same length as the last track 422 yeah yeah it doesn't seem 
no, same length. I to think, me, I don't know about for you, but for mm, me, it seems much longer. No, I think it sounds the right length. Yeah. It's weird. As you say, it's the same track, mm. as the, same length as the last track. Mm. But I think because this one's a little more complex, yeah. musically, mm. um, you don't get as bored quickly. Yeah. So you can you can stop with this all the way through. Yeah. Um, I think this is one of the better tracks on the album so mm-hmm. far. Yes. Um, okay. Again, it's repetitive. Yes, it is. We're getting used to that now on this album. Mm. I think it's starting to dawn on you that this might be repetitive all the way through. Mm. But again, you can tell it's Phil Collins because it's overly sentimental. Yeah. But it's it's nice. I like this track. I really Mm. do. That's interesting because I'm not that keen on this track. And I think it is a bit less interesting musically. I think it tends to go and I just really go anywhere music wise i don't think it's a bad track by any stretch of the imagination i just think it's a little bit duller yeah i like the track but it's not a great track Mm. this is not going to appear on anybody's top 100 no no but i think for this album so far Mm -hmm. and i'm stressing so far it's quite an interesting track because Mm. it's quite different from the two we've had previously it's a nice change of rhythm Mm. nice change of pace yeah and I think I'm enjoying the break from the driving, driving rhythms yes. we've had so far. Yes. So I think that's why I like this track. It it's been just like intense. It's like a little breather. Yeah. Um, before you go on to the next driving, driving <laughs> rhythm. But yeah. it's just like a. Yeah. I make a cup of tea now. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, what I really like about this is the bass on this. I think yes. that's really, really, really nice. good. I really like that. Good bass. Yeah. Leyland Sklar there playing that. Um, and obviously this features Sting on the backing vocals. It does, and he does it very well. It I like Sting. It, it, you can tell it's Sting, mm. but he's not being how to put this Hello, racist. I'm Sting. Racist. It's Sting singing backing vocals for Phil Collins. And he's not being overly racist with his Jamaican accent on yeah, this. He's yeah, just true. singing, um, yeah. which is great because his thing has got a good voice even mm. though I'm not a big fan yeah. of his solo stuff yeah. Yeah. or indeed his police stuff yeah. or indeed of anything he's ever done yeah. ever yeah. but I will admit he's got quite a nice voice when mm. used properly mm. but on this as a backing singer mm. I think he missed his calling in life he should have been a backing singer he should well I did ask him to do backing vocals on this podcast with us but um, he was busy did you? yeah yeah, so, yeah. did you get through to him this time I or did. was it his PA again? Yeah, it recording oh it was his PA yeah, no. I said that we're recording a podcast, and I'd really appreciate some backing vocals from, from Sting, because he did sterling work doing the backing vocals on uh, on No Jacket Required. I thought yeah. it would be appropriate. I, he said he was busy; he's got to make a sandwich or something. He couldn't make it. Oh, that's a damn shame. Yeah, because yeah. oh, I think he could have done yeah, well. We could he, he, his career would have been bolstered by yeah. working with us. Yeah, he said maybe next time. Oh, well, um, as long well, as he's not having his hair cut or something. Keep his number. Stay in touch. I'm gonna, yeah, I'm going to going to give him yeah. another ring. Good, it's good. PA good. anyway. Yeah, yeah, um, but yeah, big Steve. Yeah, big Steve, big mm. Steve, Steve yeah. PA. Yeah, that's right. Um, <laughs> the other thing I really like about this track is the way it ends really suddenly with the turn it off and then it turns off. Does it? Yeah, but yeah, I, I think it's okay. I think this is guilty of being a bit too long. Though. I think. Yeah. This one definitely could be a minute short. But Phil's first branch into politics with his lyrics see you said that earlier I didn't get the politics in this so it's all about um, things being horrible in the world and what can Phil do to to save them it's inspired the lyric apparently inspired by Live Aid and Band Aid stuff well Band Aid it would be so this was 1984 what has he achieved well nothing so far so thanks Phil yeah Mm, you were saying here you're going to change the world did you though did you? No. But he's talking about, you know, while I'm sitting here trying to move you anywhere I can he's talking about making people realise that there's things going on like famine and 
poverty and well, things like that. Well, he moved me. He moved me to make a cup of tea. Yeah, he did. Mm. He moved. He moved. He moved you. Um, but yeah, so it's his first political statement of, you know, things are, things are really bad in the world. We should do better, shouldn't we? That's what I'm saying. I'm a so, drummer, aren't I? I can't do anything. So I'm going to write a song about it. Good, but he didn't actually do anything. Well, not until playing band with Band Aid and Live Aid stuff. I suppose he made an effort. Tried, didn't he? Well, did more than me. Let's mm. put it that way. Yeah. Got a foundation to help homeless people, apparently. Has he? Yeah, apparently so. Yeah. That's very noble of him. It is. We applaud you for that, Phil. Yeah. Good mm. on. Good on ya. So, shall we move on to the next track? Do you want to know what it is? I don't want to know. <laughs> Now this is a good track. It is a good track. It's another Daryl co-write. Yep, up the tempo again from the last one. Up the tempo, they don't like it up the tempo. They don't like it up the tempo. <laughs> another good Daryl Sturmer solo as well. Yeah, the one thing I really loved about this track was mm. it was much less synthesizer heavy. Yeah. You actually got real instruments on it. Yeah. And it was a very refreshing change on this mm. album so far. Yeah, so this, the second rocking, rocking track on this album. Rock! So, w which is better then? This one or only you know and I know, do you think? This one. Hmm, yeah. you think? Yeah. Hmm, okay. I like this one. I see, I like both of them. I think only you know and I know slightly edges it for me, because it has a more of a sense of urgency to it. And yeah, but I think this has got a great, a better chorus. Yes, it does, I suppose. But don't you think it's a really good showcase of the attempt to change... Phil's sound though by doing this again you know long long way to go would very much fit in with hello I must be going or yeah possibly face value if it was a little less produced these tracks the rocky tracks wouldn't fit in with those and that's like going to change it this is this is how the sound is changing this yes. is how it's going to be upbeat this is what it's going to be like mm -hmm. yeah I like the track don't get me wrong I don't think it's a bad track no um but it is a good showcase for that change in sound yeah I think this this track is much more interesting musically mm. than anything we've had so far on this yeah. album mainly because of the real instruments and the fact that it sounds like you've got people coming together to play music yeah. rather than 
a Casio yeah. machine that you've just pushed a button on, mm. which some of the other tracks have sounded a bit yeah. like. This one, I think, is one of the tracks on this album that has aged the least. Do you think? Yeah, yeah. I think you could release this track today mm. and it would still be a good track because it, it's not bound in time by the use of synthesizers mm. like a lot of the rest of this album is. Yeah. It's got enough real instruments that it doesn't feel of its age. Yeah. Yeah, I think I probably agree with you on that. Actually, I think it probably is the least aged. It also doesn't songs. overstay its welcome. It's a no. good beat all the way through. No, that's that is the good thing about it. Yeah, yeah. I mean, like like we said on some of the other tracks, they've literally overstayed their welcome. Mm. This one, you keep rocking yeah. to the end. Yeah, definitely, and it's got that great guitar at the end as well. It has. I love yeah. that. Yeah, Daryl Stern's such a good guitar player. He is a good, really good. 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 Why isn't yeah. he more famous? I mean, he kind of got stuck in Genesis live, didn't he? And playing yeah. with Phil. I suppose he must be happy doing that because he was... He seemed to be making some money out of it. He so. wanted to do it for a long yeah. time. He's released his own solo albums from time to time. Has he well. really? Yes, yeah. A couple of them have been Daryl Sturmer plays Genesis or Phil Collins, but he has released his own solo albums. Yeah, I'll we should, check those out. We should delve into one, shouldn't we? As we a, should. Or, that might be interesting. Or do a little spin-off episode just where we look at Daryl's solo albums. Yeah. That'd be a good one. I think that might be a good idea. Listeners, if you want us to delve a little bit into Daryl Sturmer's solo work, please email us at revelationstationpodcast at gmail.com and let us know. To be fair, I don't think anybody who listens to our podcast wants us to do any more. No, I think they're just trying to get to the end and... Yes, without dying. Yeah, like yeah. when like when you start watching a TV series and you realise, oh, actually, this is terrible, but I'm invested in what's going on now. So you just keep watching just it. Just keep watching it, yeah. no matter how bad it is. I think that sums up our listeners. Pretty much. Yeah. yeah. Stockholm syndrome, I suppose, That's the really, word. isn't it? That yeah. is what you're thinking of there. So, yeah. But, yeah, I did so like this track. if you are <laughs> listening to this podcast, uh, please get help. <laughs> and if you need help, boy, boy, do we need yeah. help. But... Back to the track. Yes. I like this track. Yes, I like this track as well. I think possibly one of the best tracks on the album. Yeah, I agree with you on that. Not my favourite track on the album. Though. Really? Mm. I'm doing a waggly eyebrow thing, listeners. You can't see it because you're only listening, not watching, but I'm waggling my eyebrows in a mysterious way. I can. And you know when you see a child try to move <laughs> its eyebrows and it's frowning more than actually doing anything, that's what Simon's doing. It looks, it looks more like constipation. I'm moving my nose now as well. No, you're not. Again, you're just <laughs> frowning. Anyway, moving on to the next track. Let's move on. Which is... i 
So that was the first single to be released in the US. Five minutes long! Five minutes long? It's a long Five minute. minutes! A long. A bit didn't stop it though, it got to number one. It I was assume. The second number one in the US after Against All Odds. I assume when they released it as a single, they edited the time down. No, I don't think they did. Really? Mm. Five, five minutes! They must have edited this down for a single. Yes, they did, very slightly. They edited it down to four minutes 25. Well, couldn't they have released that instead of this? Because <laughs> five minutes, five whole minutes. Yeah, I mean, it's only 20 seconds longer, the single edit. Feels like hours. Yeah, it I does. mean, I know this is a big hit for Phil. Hmm. And it's very soothing. Yeah. In fact, it soothed me into a coma. Yeah. Um, it's just... It's typical Phil Collins mm -hmm. that we that we know up to this date. Yeah. Right? This could have fit in into his last two albums quite easily. Oh, yeah. Um, it doesn't... Oh, yeah, so, no, I don't think it could. Are you arguing with me, boy? I don't think boy? it could. I know what you mean, but I don't think it would have fitted on Hello, Must Be Going or Face Value. But it would fit onto Invisible Touch. Because it's too produced, it's too slick. It is slick. To be on those two albums. Those two albums, whatever you think of them, whether you like the songs or not, they were very raw and they didn't have a lot of production on them, mm. especially Face Value. Whereas this, this album especially, has a lot of production. It does. And Invisible Touch also has a lot of production. But I, as a Phil Ballard, I think this is probably the weakest one he's done. To be honest... <sighs> I got bored listening to yeah. this. It goes on and on and on. And it's long. so repetitive. And there's nothing interesting happening yeah. musically. Yeah. There's just nothing to listen to here. Unless you like Phil's droning mm -hmm. on and on. Yeah. Don't get me wrong. As, as I said, it's very soothing. Mm -hmm. But, God, it goes on. Yeah. And it's, it it's got nothing interesting to say. No, I mean, it's, it's the longest track on the first side of the vinyl album. Yes. So it's the longest track. It's the third longest track overall on the mm -hmm. album. But it is really long. I find it hard <laughs> to believe. It's really dull. This was such the hit it was. Yeah, well, I mean, it, this is the biggest hit in the UK. It's was got, it? This got to number four. Was it helped that it was on the in the film The Colour of Money? I don't know. Because I don't know when that was released, but I know this was on the soundtrack was of it? That, that film. Was it? Okay, yeah. I, I didn't know that. I've not heard that film. Oh, wait, is that the Paul Newman film? I believe it is, yeah. yeah. No, I don't. I didn't know it was on that soundtrack, but... Possibly, possibly, I don't know, but it's a slushy ballad. It's not particularly, I mean, you compare this to In Too Deep, yeah, for example. Mm -hmm. In Too Deep, I really like In Too Deep. I think, if I remember rightly, you liked it as a ballad when we reviewed it, but I can't remember for definite. Um, but In Too Deep is three three minutes, three and a half minutes yeah. long. It comes in, it does what it needs to do, it gets out again. Gets out of town. This just hangs around. Yeah, it hangs around like like a fart that just won't go it's like away. A, it's like an uninvited guest. It's, it's turned up... I'm going to say fart. It's turned up for a cup of tea and to record a podcast. And, and stopped overnight. You, and now you can't get rid of mm, it. Yeah, it's yeah. still there in the morning. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah it, just, it, and it just goes on mm. and on, much like us. It just goes on and on long after yeah. you want it to go away and yeah. shut up. Yeah. And it's just there, but apart from the nice sax solo mm -hmm. by Don by Merrick, Merrick yeah, yeah. Um, which is nice, mm -hmm. but it doesn't save this song for me. No, it doesn't. And this is this is this song particularly is one of the reasons I've never liked Phil Collins solo stuff mm. because it's you think Phil Collins, you think ballads, yeah. you think this, you think boring, endless, repetitive yeah. mush. Yeah, which I think is unfair to Phil because as we've seen so far on this album. A lot of his solo stuff isn't 
like that. No, but this is what but you remember is, it for. Because this was the biggest hit from this album in the UK. And, yeah. and a, a number one hit single in the US. Number one! This was number one. I know. That must have been a slow week in their charts. I just find, I find this song really, really dull. And it, I thought you'd love this song. I, it doesn't help that it's built around um, a drum machine. Again. Hand, again. Mm. Which doesn't change. Mm. It doesn't change. I've got... A, We'll talk about it more at the end, but I've got issues with the amount of drum machine on this album. But, and again, we'll probably come to this later, mm. but Phil admits that a lot of these songs were basically created by him sitting in front of a drum machine, mm. pressing go, and then for- free-forming them at the time. But that's how he did his first two albums as well. And I don't think the first two albums, it's as obvious that that's what he did. No, the thing is, I know we're going to come onto this later, mm. but... The first two albums he did weren't as produced as this. Yes. But they had a better sound. Yes. This one's more produced, but they kept the drum machine yeah. in. It's, it's odd. Yes, it is odd. It is odd. But it's odd, but for the time, it was standard. Yeah. I, j- I just find it really weird to think of this being a big hit single. Yeah. Because, I mean, is that the sort of slushy thing that was popular in the 80s? I guess it was. I guess it must have been. I guess it was, but, I mean, I was... But then again, you know, <laughs> picture this scenario. Mm. You invite a girl around for dinner at your place. What are you going to put on that's going to be a little smooth, or a little in the background, but something you can eat over and you won't even notice? Barry White. No, Barry White's <laughs> going to be, you know, it's going to put you off your, your breakfast because mm. um, it's, oh, mm. Whereas this is... Oh, go and eat a chipolata, love. Come on now. We've got to go. It's like he's in the room. <laughs> it's like he's in the I'm room. I'm a walrus of love. That, that literally Swimming is Simon's chat up flows. It's me, Barry White. <laughs> have uh, a chip, love. Have a chip. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's yeah. what it'd be like. Yeah, yeah it see would. what you mean. Yeah, but, yeah, yeah, but you could have this on the back. Yeah, <laughs> very much so. But this you could have on in the background. And it you could put it on a loop and you wouldn't notice it was on a loop. That's true. Because it just doesn't stop. A- and, until... You killed and killed again yeah, to make it stop. Because you could put this on <laughs> at your starter yeah. and it would still be going while you were on your dessert. Yeah. Or pudding, depending where you come yeah. from. Yeah. But yeah. So we're in agreement for a change. Wow. Both no, find no, this track really dull. Not no, really fisticuffs. no fisticuffs. I'm surprised. No. I, I, literally, I really did think you would love I this. I know I do like the ballad sometimes. You're a mushy guy at heart. I am a mushy guy at heart. And I think, like I say, In Too Deep, I think, is one of my favourite ballads that Genesis have ever done and Phil Collins has ever done. Girl. But this is not one of them. This is really, really... Oh, no, I don't like it. It's, it's just... It's too mushy, even for me. So, right. Well, we need to leave this behind us and go on to something we can argue about. Well, don't lose my number.
Don't Lose My Number. What did you think? Well, it's not to be confused with Ricky Don't Lose That Number by Steely Dan. Mostly because they sound absolutely nothing alike. But if you have a change of heart Ricky Don't Lose That Number You don't want to call So you're telling me not to confuse two songs that have different titles and don't sound at all alike. Similar titles. Similar titles. Well, you could say it's a similar song because it has similar kind of instruments in it. Mm, it doesn't really. Nah. Okay, moving on. Ricky Don't Lose That Numbers from 1974. So it sounds very different. But anyway, don't confuse it with that song, whatever you do. I wasn't going to. No, don't. Don't. Mm. Don't. So that was the third single in the USA. Really? Which... Which got to number four, broke the run of um, number one singles for Phil that time. Um, but what a weird choice for a single, though. Yeah, so I mean, I like the song, but it doesn't scream hit single, really, does it? It's a little edgier than some of the other things we've had on here so mm. far, though. I yeah. like that about this. I yeah. like the fact that it's a slightly edgier track. Mm. And I like the song. Yeah, I, I do like, like the song. I think it's a really good song. Looking at the. Um, the lyrics, mm. as I was earlier. This actually has more lyrics than any track mm. on this album so far. Now, about the lyrics. Yours. I think this is a really, really Genesis-y lyric. This could have been written by Tony Banks, because it's it's obviously telling a story of some sort. Yes. But the story is vague enough for you to infer your own sort of meanings to it. Yes. So I'm thinking of something like um, Just a Job to Do, for example, from... Um, Genesis, yeah, where it's a story about Hitman, but it kind of there's no real specifics what's going on. Mm -hmm. Or me and Sarah Jane, yeah, from Abacab. Yep, it's it, it smacks of Tony Banks lyrics. This one, I see what you mean. Mm. I see what you mean on that. I mean, obviously, it isn't because it's Phil Collins wrote it. Yeah, but yeah. it's it's in that vein. And from that point of view, I think this is his most Genesis-y song he ever does mm. in terms of lyrics. Because what's it about? What do you think it's about? Um, telling Billy not to lose the number. Yeah, don't lose that number, Billy. Yeah. In, in Australia, it was released as a single under the title brackets Billy. Isn't don't it, lose that number. Isn't it something about uh, he's trying to get hold of a singer? Do you think? Yes, he's trying to get hold of a sing singer for his band, mm. or he's something along those lines. I think is yeah. what it's about. Well, I don't know because it seems to be about somebody who's gone missing. And they're looking for him because nobody knew where to find him. No evidence was found. It it's all implies that somebody's been kidnapped or has just gone missing and there's a search party looking for him. And Phil is saying, you've got my number. Don't lose my number. If you need me, you can call me. So, yeah, I was just thinking about a singer. Yeah. You've gone a lot darker. Yeah, so, but, but that's what I mean. It's it's so vague. Yeah, it is vague. There's, there's no real plot there. There's no real right answer, I don't think. It no. can be whatever. But, yeah, I always thought... Because it, it seems to be implying that somebody's run away or somebody's gone missing or something like that. Yeah. From my interpretation. I, I implied run away. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's... I like the it's fact good. that it's vague and you can add your own story you can dance to it you can no, make your own story it's got a great driving beat mm. and a great chorus it's got a good beat it's got a good chorus mm, it has I mean, yeah, yes. it's got a great chorus yeah. it's got a sing-along chorus 
I like the way it goes. Billy, Billy, don't you lose my number? I don't think he does that face. <laughs> no, it doesn't do that face when he makes that noise. I don't think. Yeah, I think they... they've got an instrument to do that. <laughs> but yeah, I know what you mean. Yeah. That that is a nice little. It's really nice. I like. Yeah. I like this just for the chorus, to be yeah. honest. But but it's yeah. a it's a good song. I like this song. It's one of my favourites. I think on the album. Yeah, I I would agree. I think it is. Um, I really like the fact that you know that drum sound as well really like the drum sound it's that gated drum sound yeah but it's used in a different way mm. you know it's not being allowed to 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 build it's the same yes all the way through but it's still using the same sound effect so it is it it i can't explain it anymore because i'm not a musician but it's using a similar sound in a different way okie dokie the only thing i have to say about the music on this was i just wish they'd use less synthesizers and more instruments. Mm. Um, I think it would have given it a rawer sound, yeah. especially on this album, because we've been so inundated with, mm. with electronic music so far. Yeah. Like the one of the previous tracks where we had much more instruments, this, I think, if he'd just stick to just instruments and no synthesizers, yeah. this would have been a really rocky, raw track. Yeah. I mean, there's definitely scope there for somebody of the time like I don't know Toto or or Journey or somebody of that ilk to do a more straight ahead rock version yeah this. yeah um, and it wouldn't sound out of place I don't think Toto Toto man's never listened to Toto you can tell Toto Toto we're not talking about the dog in Wizard of Oz you know <laughs> what yeah. I thought it was his solo album. Yeah. <laughs> After he split from Dorothy. Could well have been. Could well have been. Uh, yeah. But I like this track. Mm. I, I think it, if I was going to buy this album, this is one of the tracks that would make me buy it. Mm. Good. So you think it is a good choice for a single then? <sighs> That's a different conversation, mm. isn't it? Yeah. Whether you'd release this as a single, it's a great album track. Yeah. And it's it got is. a great chorus, yeah. which is usually, you know, saying single material. Yeah. Not sure I'd have released it as a single though. Yeah. Especially because I don't think it sells the concept of this album. Mm. Um, if you bought this album based on that track, yeah. I think you'd be a little disappointed. Mm. Mm. Um, especially because... It, I don't know, it kind of fits in with the upbeat, up-tempo the upbeat, version. The upbeat, yes, but I don't think you would appreciate the overuse of drum machines in yeah. some of the earlier tracks. Yeah. You'd be expecting something a little rawer. Yeah. Whereas um, this stands out from the album because of that, mm. rather than being inclusive because it uses drum yeah. machines. Yeah. If you know what I mean. Yes, I do know what it means. I do know what you mean, yes. Do yes. you? Yes, I do. You never use a no I, I mean. Do. I do. I think it's, this was the first track on the second side of the vinyl, so it comes in again. It's almost like a second opening track to the album because it opens the second side of the vinyl album. Yeah, and as that, it works pretty well. Yeah. And, and it probably would work quite well as a, an opening track to the album, maybe, as well. Yeah, as I say, it's a great album track. Yeah. I just don't think it says enough about this album mm-hmm. to be released as a single. Yes. It would be misleading yeah. if you said this was what the rest of the album was like. Yeah, it would. But a good track, nevertheless. Good track, Absolutely I like it. excellent, brilliant work. Thumbs from, up from, from me. From Daryl again. Yeah, oh yeah. Um, and yeah, it's great. I want to move on. I said I would. Who said I would? Who said I would? Who said I would? 
You know, the, the thing about this track is mm-hmm. the opening rhythm it reminds me of something. Mm-hmm. I cannot think what it reminds me of. It's been bugging me all week. It's, I tell you what it reminds me of. It reminds me of the marimbas in the Peter Gabriel track. Um, is it I Don't Remember? That's... Oh, thank you. That no, has been it's, um, bugging me. Don't Know How to Stop... Um, uh, no, it's, it's Peter Gabriel, yeah. yeah. I've, oh, it's been bugging me all week. Yeah. I keep thinking, oh, this reminds me of something. Is it a TV show theme? Yeah. Is it... What is it? Yeah. But yeah, you're quite right, it does. Yeah. Yeah. And it's a nice it's a nice start. It also has that nice marimba break in the middle as well, where it breaks down. It's another rocky track, basically, isn't it? Yeah, it is. There's, well, you say that. Mm. But again, there's so many synths in this. Yes. It's almost as if... This is the first attempt by AI to make music. <laughs> what do you think? This, this, it's almost completely mechanical, this song. <laughs> Don't get me wrong, it's a hyper-energy song. Mm. There's a lot happening here, but it's very electronic. I'm not a big fan of electronic music, mm-hmm. even if they're put together as well as this. Yeah. I just find it detracting. And this is, this is the thing that has really peeved me about this album. Mm. Phil Collins' pedigree, yes. from the music he's done in the past to almost have thrown that away in favour of electronic music Mm. I find quite upsetting Mm. when you when you consider a drummer of Phil's prowess Mm. is reduced to using a drum machine yeah why would you do that this is literally your thing (laughs) and you're handing it over to a machine well one of the things I was going to say at the end was pretty much that but I got there first but Phil is a drummer of some high renown he is but then he concentrates using a drum machine. Mm. It's it's odd, isn't it? It is weird. It is. It's it like is it's like making yourself redundant. Yeah. It's it's weird. But I guess I get it for the demos and for when you're working out the music. But yeah. then surely you'd record it with real drums when you finally get. To you the would, studio. wouldn't you? It's the, this is almost like a demo version yeah. of what he was going to release. Don't get me wrong. It's a driving rhythm and mm-hmm. it's you know, it's really powerful in that respect. Yeah. I mean, clips along at a nice pace. But yeah. it just goes round and mm. round and around. There's very little breakout on this. Yeah. And I, I found myself getting bored halfway through. Yeah. Because it just is so repetitive. Yeah. It's another long one. Yeah. Another oh, long God, one. yeah, it's a long one. I mean, this this was released as a single, in inverted commas. Right. But it was a live version of this. was released from his Serious Hits Live album. Is that much of a change? Um, less electronic instruments. You'd expect so on a live. So, yeah. um, I have got that album, but I've not listened to it for a long time, so I can't tell you what whether it's much different. Maybe we'll come on to review it at some point in Maybe. the future. But yeah, it did get released as a single. But, see, lyrically, I think, this is a companion to um, Invisible Touch. Yeah. It seems to be, you know, what it's saying yes. is almost like it's the same person he's talking about as he's talking about in Invisible Touch. I get what Touch. you're saying too, yeah. The only thing that breaks this up is the mental mm. sax solo yeah. in the middle. I mean, that's great. <laughs> it's a little out of place here. Yeah. Um, but that's the only thing that breaks up the monotony of this for me. But it's a very frantic track, though, isn't it? It's very, going on and on say, and on. It's a hyper-energy like, track. Yeah, I mean, it's a real upbeat. So it's really, it, you know, Phil wants to write an upbeat album. There you go. That's yeah. pretty up-tempo. It is. You know, I don't think it gets any more up-tempo on this album. No, this. not without being speed metal or something like but that. Yeah. It's, a, it's definitely punchy, yeah. and it's fast, Yeah, 
and it's high energy. Yeah. It just so happens to be boring. <laughs> you know? See, I, I think it's quite a good track. I quite like it. But, Ooh, disagreement. But it, it's not my favourite track on the album again. But no. I think it clips along at a nice pace. Um, just gone for a while though. It's yeah. quite long. Yeah. I think it's over five minutes long, isn't it? As well, yeah. if I remember rightly. Something like that. But seemed longer. Yeah, but no, I, I quite like it. Mm. You said I would, and like you say, that sax solo. We got to lose the sax solo. <laughs> it's okay. I'll put it as okay. Yeah, yeah. But the sax solo is beautiful. <laughs> yeah. It's like it's like when they listen back, they did you put that in? <laughs> no. <laughs> just do what you like. Yeah. Yeah, just... Okay, I'm going to do my sax now. Uh, what do you want me to do? I just do what you like. Um, sure. Yeah, just do whatever you like. Okay. okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's, that, I think that's pretty much what happened and how yeah. it happened. Yeah. And they didn't have time to change it. No, no. Because <laughs> they only had a month and then it was on the shelves. But yeah, but real, real changes, demonstrating that change Yeah. that Phil's trying to make. You have to say, I mean, the, this whole album is nothing like what he's done before, mm. apart from, you know, One More Night. Yeah. Um, which, which is pretty much exactly what he's, what done, he's done before. Yeah. yeah, but everything else is is. I hate to use the word fresh hmm. because it's overused. But yeah. it, in this case, compared to his previous yeah. stuff, this is fresh. That's the thing. We're listening to it with twenty twenty two ears. Maybe listen to it in nineteen eighty five when it first came out. You would have felt more kindly towards it, I suppose. Felt differently towards it. Definitely. Bearing, bearing in mind that I first heard this album probably in nineteen eighty seven. One of the first solo albums yeah. that I bought after getting into Genesis. So I think I heard this before I heard Face Value or mm. Hello I Must Be Going, primarily because of Susudio. Yeah. Because that, I knew that song from the radio. And for me, it's very different. And it's very, like you say, very fresh. And it wasn't like anything really in the charts apart from One One Night. Yeah. Um, so maybe if you'd heard it back then, you'd be more favourable. Oh, God, I did it. hear the singles back then. Oh, yeah, you so did. But all like over we've the already radio. said, the singles aren't necessarily yeah. representative. Well, I think we'll come at the end mm. to how we think this album may have aged. Yes. Um, but for now, shall we move on to the next track? Yes. Doesn't anybody stay together anymore?
<laughs> Prince Charles' 40th birthday party. <laughs> so Phil's there, and he's playing in front of Prince Charles and Princess Diana. All right, and one of the songs he plays. All right, he doesn't play many songs. One of the songs he plays is "Doesn't Anybody Stay Together Anymore." Three weeks later, they announced the divorce of Prince Charles and Princess Diana, which nobody knew about at the time. Funny story. Yeah, bit of a faux pas that, isn't it? A little bit, but to be fair, he didn't know. No, he didn't. Nobody did. But no. I, I can imagine there was a lot of uh, after the fact. Very probably. <laughs> but then again, you know, this this track is very, very Phil. Yes, it? it is. Funnily enough, it's not about his own divorces. For a change. But more about the divorces of his friends um, and people that he knew that were going through. So one of the specific ones is Eric Clapton and Patty Boyd, yeah. who had broken up at that point. Um, but yeah, I just think it's funny that he performed it in front of Prince Charles and Princess Diana and then literally weeks later they announced that they were getting divorced. Cause or cure? <laughs> Cause or cure. Yeah. No, um, oh, you know what? Listen to Phil's... Uh, song there and makes me realise I can't stand her anymore. <laughs> yeah. yeah, although I think it was probably mostly the other way around. Mm. Anyway, anyway, this is not a podcast about the royals. He's our king. You can't talk about him like that. Gosh, he is, isn't he? Yeah. Oh, yeah. We're I probably going to get arrested now. Still trying to get used to that idea. Mm. Mm. What, being a Charlie? Yeah, we're all Charlies now. Yeah. Mm. Instead of an Elizabethan. Yeah. Um, yeah, anyway. Anyway, yeah. At last on this track, yeah. real drums. It's yes. been a long time coming, yeah. but here they are. Here they are, yeah. Um, I, yeah, I quite like this track. I, you know what I like best about this track? I like the, the fact that the the verses are quite subdued and quite and it, like the music changes. There's some cakey changes there on are. this where it goes from being a raucous raucous chorus to being a more subdued verse. I like that interplay and that change. I kind of agree with you, except for the fact that the way he sings the chorus comes mm. across as a bit whiny, mm. um, which I, th- I I didn't quite like the what he was doing with the chorus yeah the way he sang it it just sounded whiny because mm. mm. the chorus is kind of a, a bit more up tempo and yeah. stuff it should have had it should have sounded a bit more powerful just mm. as a break yeah. but it came across as whiny to yeah. me i don't know i quite like the way you sort of saying, oh you know this is what happens but i can't anymore he gets angry at the chorus oh he does eventually yeah. <laughs> but he starts off a bit whiny yeah um again it's another one that's an up tempo song mm. but the theme isn't really up tempo mm. and no, it's not I, I, I just found quite, this a bit dull and flat as a, as a quite, I think song. It's got quite a nice bit of light and shade with the, the, the way that, like I've said before, the chorus is more raucous than the verses. Yeah. Like it's kind of, I, it adds a bit of nuance to I, the performance. Yeah, but I don't think, I just didn't, I just found it a bit flat. I didn't mm. really enjoy this track. Okay. Um, it's okay. Yeah. But I couldn't get into it properly. Mm. It's just. But it's the third one co-written by Daryl. Yeah. Um, it doesn't really showcase Daryl very much on this one. Not, not at all, no. So much. no. Um, but yeah, like you say, the drums. Great. Best, best drums on the album, I think. Only drums on the album, mm. I think, but well, just about. Much, yeah. yeah. But um, it's nice to see them come in. Yeah, it is. It is. Mm. And they do it very well. That opening drum roll. Very nice. Very nice. But yeah, it's all right. I don't mind the track, to be honest. I don't think it's amazing, but I don't mind it. I quite I listen to it. Yeah, I find the chorus annoying after a mm. while. Okay. Um, but, yeah. yeah. It's probably one of my least favourite tracks on this album. Well, okay. Shall we go into the next one then? Sure. Right, What's it called? There. Inside Out. <laughs>
Inside Out. Got a bit to say about this, what about you? Yeah, so not to be confused with the track Inside Out by Genesis. Or the Disney Pixar movie. Inside Out, no. Um, pretty much the same track. You'd be forgiven for thinking you'd accidentally skipped back a track, wouldn't you? You would, yes. <laughs> pretty much. Very poor placement on the album. I think so. Um, should have been at least one track in between them, I think. It's so similar, it could almost be a remix. <laughs> That's because of the use of the drums again. Yeah. I mean, they're so sparsely used yeah. on this album. Yeah. And you've got two tracks next to each other, yeah. which both heavily use drums. Yes. Yeah. It's got a better guitar solo, though. It has got a yeah, really good guitar mm. solo. Yeah. On the point of solos, yes. the sax solo, Yeah, that seems like it belongs in a different song entirely. <laughs> yeah, probably. It, probably. It's probably supposed to be in um, Does Anybody Stay Together Anymore? Probably. And he just turned up a song late. <laughs> that, was, that was ten minutes ago. You're running late. <laughs> Something like that. Yeah. Because it just doesn't fit with this track yeah. at all. It's just jammed in the middle of there. And you think, what on earth is that doing in there? Yeah. Yes, I, I agree with that. That just sounds a bit out of place. Which do you think is better, though? This track or doesn't it really stay together anymore? This track, mm. obviously. Yeah. I think this track actually sounds more genesis Do you think? I do. Oh. It's it's interesting. I think the the composition of it yeah. and the the use of instruments, mm. I think it definitely sounds probably the most genesis mm. on the album. Mm. Not a Genesis track, yeah. just that sound and feel to it. Yeah. Mm. Okay. I suppose I can kind of hear what you're, you're getting out there. It's, it's the fact that this track, the way it's put together, composed of the yeah. instruments used, for one of the few times on this album, it feels like some thought has been put into the music side of the song. Mm. So it, it's a more powerful song in that respect yeah. that you feel that there's more complexity to the sound of it. Yeah, yeah. It's definitely much more interesting musically, this one. Mm. Definitely. Yeah. Much much more going on than than doesn't anybody say together anymore. Yeah, I like this track. It's a good track. Mm. The only downside, I think, and it's not really a downside, I suppose, if, you, if you're trying to put that here, singles or whatnot, yeah. the chorus is overly repetitive. Yeah. And that makes the song sound overly yeah. repetitive. But it's not. It's actually an interesting, good song. Yeah. But the chorus is overly used yeah. in it, I think. because it's literally just inside out, isn't it? Yeah. Over and over again. Yeah. Yeah. But... But having said that, I quite like this track. I'm surprised this wasn't released as a single, to be honest, because I so think this I. would have been a better choice. Again, with the use of chorus. Mm. I mean, it's, it's what you want in a hit single, yeah. something everybody could just yeah. sing along to in the pub. Yeah. Not like that, because you get thrown yeah. out. But and you know it, what I'm saying. It's also it's more straight-ahead rock track than trying to be funky or disco like some of the other tracks. Yes, definitely. Um, so from that point of view, it's a lot more similar to his next album, yeah. But seriously. Really? Yes. Okay. Haven't listened to that yet? We'll go into that when we, we get will. to it. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I like the track. I think this is one of my favourites on the album, to be honest. I wouldn't say one of my favourites, but I do really mm. like this track. So yeah. good. So we both like it. We, we do. We can both go on to the next track then. So Do we need to write it down somewhere that we both like this track? No, we It don't happens think. so infrequently. <laughs> don't, uh, don't okay. So. okay, I'll just make a note in my diary. So let, let's let's take me home. I wish I could get rid of you that evening. <laughs>
Take me home. What did you think? Well, I really like this track. Do you really? I do. I think it's it's the longest song on the album by a fair bit. But for me, I think it's the best track on the album. I don't know about the best track on the album. Mm. Okay. I like this track, but I'm always wondering what this would have sounded like with a proper band. Yeah. Um, because, of God, the drum machines are back in mm-hmm. force this time. They are, yes. Well, it's been featured on every single tour that Phil's done since it was released. Really? Usually the last track of the night. Sometimes he saves it for the encore. Yeah. I mean, it, it, it is a good track. I mean, it, it's inspired, mm. allegedly, yeah. by One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest. Yeah, so the lyric, lyrically, it, when you first listen to it, and I certainly didn't pick up on the One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest for a long time, it sounds like he's singing about him being on tour, doesn't it? A little bit, yeah. And like, you know, take me home. I've been <laughs> waiting so long. Some would say, is there a difference? Well, yeah. Mm. Um, but it sounds, from initial listeners, it's about somebody who's on tour, wanting to go home and take, you know, take me home. And certainly the video for the single would suggest that. Yeah. But yeah, if you actually look at it and read about it, it's about a psychiatric patient waiting to be picked up from hospital. Yeah, it's about okay. basically about being in a psychiatric mm. ward. And to be fair, at this point in the album, I'm almost empathising with that. <laughs> yeah, I mean, this was the last single from the album in both the UK and the USA. It got to number 19 in the UK and got to number 7 in the US. Wow. I mean, <sighs> this sounds weird, but there, there is one point in this album, where it goes a bit Paul Simony, mm. there's just one little strand yeah. halfway through, and it sort of goes into Paul Simony's world music, mm. kind of, yeah, not in a bad way, mm. but but it just I just thought, oh, that sounds, you know, it just it just there's mental connection to yeah. just that sound. It's only for a little yeah. refrain, but but it's 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 there. It's funny you should mention world music because to me, is it is it really? It is <laughs> funny because to me, it reminds me a lot of Biko. The way it builds up yes. from a sort of a slow start to more of a crescendo and lots of people coming in and like lots of voices at the end singing the, the refrain yeah. it reminds me in structure 
Not in sound, it doesn't sound obviously, like BK, but it reminds me of the structure yeah. of BK. Oh, yeah. From that point okay, of view. Okay, I see what you're saying. So, you know, that build up, which is funny because Peter Gabriel does backing vocals on he this does, track. does, doesn't he? Which, not that you could ever, ever possibly tell. No, and Sting <laughs> as well. And Sting, and somebody called Helen Terry, who was apparently a famous singer at the time. You don't know her name, mm-hmm. I must admit. I know um, the name, I don't know what she's But yeah, they're all on there somewhere, hidden yeah. in the background. Um, but yeah. come, as you say, they don't come across clearly, do they? Mm, no. So um, you couldn't have recognised them from who were in there. But, yeah. but yeah. It could have just been Phil double-tracking his backing vocals. Could have. You wouldn't have even noticed. No, no. Um, but yeah, so there you go, Pete Gabriel on that, return the favour. I think the drum pattern, though, you know you've mentioned the electronic drum pattern. I think in this case it works because it lays that solid foundation to the music for it to all build on. Because mm. it doesn't stay just the same drum pattern. Well, it does, but it doesn't. It's not just. Say, it really does. It's not just the same drum pattern no. along. More, more gets added to it. Layers as the song goes along. So you get to the end, and it's all that big, rousing chorus of "Take Me Home." I know what you're saying, but but I by this point in the album, I'm getting thoroughly sick of synth drums. Yeah. Well, yeah. not even synth drums. Yeah. But it's Jack Cage, a drum machine. Yeah. Um, and I, I am getting a bit. Weary of yeah. drum machines. Well, you'll be pleased to know that this is the last track on the album. Whee. If you own the vinyl. Ooh. However. However, there is one other track after this. I think this is a perfect album closer, to be honest. I think it, it the way it, it builds it, and then It fades does come away. across as a final track, yeah. doesn't it? Yeah. yeah. So I think the fact that, like with many things, re-releases and bonus tracks, yeah. you've got an extra track shoved after this I think is a little bit of a detriment because the vinyl album ends with this and that is perfect end mm. but if you come across any reviews of this album online mm. they always include this final track yeah so it's it's almost like history rewritten yeah now this album will always include this next track yeah on the CD version it was never on the original cassette never on the vinyl no it wasn't on the 2016 vinyl reissue either was it not no it ended with Take Me Home again oh. so it was only on the CDs Okay. So I suppose we should talk about this as a bonus track. We could call it a bonus track. Bonus track, really. I suppose it is a bonus track. Mm. It was also the B-side. So this next track, We Said Hello Goodbye. Yeah. Also B-side to the Take Me Home single. Okay. So shall we go into that? Let's go into that. We Said Hello Goodbye. As most of our listeners wish we would do. Okay, so straight off the bat here, I'm mm. going to say I love the string and piano intro to mm. this. 
Yes, it's an odd one though, isn't it? Because it's basically two tracks in one. It is. There's a very clear gap mm, between a, the first part and the second there's part. A very clear dividing line. Yeah. So I think you should talk about that. I I, re I agree. I really really like that opening piano strings. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Lovely, lovely piece of music. Lovely, lovely, lovely piece. piece of music. And then it goes into the actual song. Mm. What do you think of that? Well, it's a Beatles homage, isn't it, it really? Is. It is. I mean, let's let's not beat around yeah. the bush here. Let's not this Beatles is, around the bush. Let's not Beatles around the bush. Um, there are so many chords, mm -hmm. refrains, phrases, yep. whatever in here. You just like listen to a best of the mm. Beatles. Yeah. Also, I noticed, listen to it on headphones, the vocal effects as well sound very much like vocal effects that John Lennon used. Really? Yes. It, yes, that sort of almost echoey yeah. sound to the vocals sometimes. Yeah. Yes, yeah. it does. But it's how to put this mm. in a way... Are we going to differ on this? ...where you won't punch me in the face. <laughs> yeah. We may do. Yeah. This is probably one of the most thoughtful, thought-out tracks on the album. Mm-hmm. I got bored listening to it. <laughs> really? Yeah. It's just... It's just something about it. It's, it's it, as I say. It's almost like listening to a busker do Beatles, <laughs> and you just walk on by, yeah. which is a different song entirely. Mm. But you know what I'm saying. Yeah. It, I just didn't. I could not get into this track. See, I absolutely love this track. On if this was the album, if this was actually on the album, this would be far and away my favourite track on the album. Now I know that I am on my own with my opinion mm. of this because yes. this is this is a much lauded track mm -hmm. a lot of people yeah. really think this is the best track on the album mm -hmm. they're wrong <laughs> i don't think it is yeah um i just couldn't get into it i'm sorry really? yeah so I, th I just think it's really engaging after you get over the initial strings which i do like but aren't really part of the song yeah i just think it's that a really is true isn't it yeah that intro literally no. has nothing to do with this song no, it doesn't come back at all no but i think it's it's got a really engaging lyric i think it's very simple it's you know it's clearly about somebody moving out of one house where they've made a lot of memories and going to another house and i think the lyrics are really we've all experienced that phil more than most phil more than most and i think I just think it's really, really nice, really lovely. And musically, I think the performance is great from Phil. I think the music is great. I think it builds up nicely and then fades away nicely as well. I just think it's great. I really, really like it. I am going to agree with you on the fact that I think Phil sings this brilliantly. Mm. It's a brilliant performance by Phil on this. Yeah. And it's a great track. Yeah. I just don't like it. You're mad. This has been spoken of many times and is, in fact, on my medical records. Mm. However, that does not detract from the fact that I don't like this track. That's crazy. I, th I honestly think it's one of the best things Phil's ever done. Full stop. Genesis and solo. I just think it's great. Yeah, it was just the fact that it was a, quite clearly a Beatles homage. Mm. I felt it was a bit of a rip-off yeah. rather than something he... Th it's almost like... You just picked and choosed from various Beatles tracks mm. to make another track. Yeah. And it, that, I'm not going to call it lazy because it quite mm. clearly isn't. There's yeah. a lot of thought has gone into this track. Yeah. However, it just feels like a best of to me yeah. rather than an actual track. Yeah, see, to me, it doesn't sound like he's taken bits of his favourite Beatles songs. Oh, it quite clearly it has. It sounds like he's written a song in the style of the Beatles in the same way that Weird Al will do a song in the style of. So, you know, he does a song in the style of the Pixies or the Foo Fighters. I didn't find this funny. But, and it sounds like a Pixies or a Foo Fighters song, but isn't. It's Weird Al doing that 
style. That to me, what this is like. It's like he's not done. He's not picked and chose. He's just he's taken the style of the Beatles and he's done a song in that style, not mm. necessarily doing bits of. No, no, no. But again, when you listen to it though, mm. you can almost hear the track yeah. that he's ref- referencing. Mm. I oh, well, I can. Yeah. Um, and it was just. It, it was kind of like listening to a track and listening out for the Beatles tracks. Yeah. So it was kind of drawing my attention away from the track because yeah. I was concentrating more on something else. <laughs> yeah. And I think having to do two things at once, and you know I'm incapable of doing that, yes. um, was, was making me not pay attention to the road as I was driving, <laughs> first off. Yeah. Second off, I, I think it was just detracting from the song itself. So I never really got into it. You should probably stop listening to music while you're driving. I should stop doing a lot of things while I'm driving. <laughs> but, but, you know, mm. hey, there yeah. you go. Yeah, well... Well, I'm afraid I'm going to have to disagree with you on this. I think this is a marvellous track. I love it. I love both parts of it. Cool. I think they're great. Well, I, I applaud you for standing up yeah. and saying that. I also think, as we'll be coming on to the overall in a minute, I also think it doesn't sound dated. No. I think The, the Beatles, I mean, like the Beatles or hate the Beatles, mm-hmm. they will always be in fashion. Yeah. Um, and I think a song homaging those mm-hmm. uh, has or hemorrhaging those, depending mm-hmm. on how you look at it, will have a similar sort of thought in your mind. Yeah. You will always feel slightly comforted by the familiarity yeah. of the music here. Um, and in the way that Beatles will never go out of fashion, mm. this song will probably also never go out yeah. of fashion. Yeah, I think from, from that point of view, this album-wise, I think this is the one that stands the test of time best. Oh, I disagree. But but let's go into that. If we go into the um, our overall... Overview of the uh, album. Uh, overview of the album. What do you think of the album as a whole, then? I'll let you give your view first. As you know, I'm not a big fan of his solo You stuff. are not. And whilst listening to this album didn't actually make me sick... <laughs> um, I can't say I'm a big fan. Yeah. There are a couple of tracks now. Yeah. I'm going to say that I don't want to know Billy and Inside Out mm-hmm. stood out on this album for me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I thought they were great tracks and yeah. I, will, I, would, I would listen to them again and again. Yeah. However, the rest of the album was marred for me by the overuse of the drum machine. Mm. And, in my opinion, is the fall of music. What? Hear me out, right? Because this time in musical history, yeah. we got away from music that you sat down and listened to mm. to music that you did something else to where you were listening to it right you know like now a lot of music what they call popular music mm-hmm. you don't sit down in a chair and listen to it no that's true you, you do it while you're doing woodwork while you're cooking mm. while you're in the garden while you're traveling yeah. while you're on the bus while you're on the plane while you're on the train yeah. while you're doing something else yeah, yeah. you don't just sit down and listen to it like you used to do with like genesis albums or whatever mm. you would sit down in an armchair put a record on and listen to it mm. you don't do that now with music yeah that's very true and this is where it started this sort of era yeah. because you get songs which are all sound and fury mm-hmm. but have nothing going on in them there's no mm. deep meaning to half of the lyrics on this album mm. it's just noise and sound and it's mm. good noise and sound but it does it's all empty noise sound and fury signifying nothing exactly my point mm. But if this is the point where you stop listening to music as music, yeah. you're now listening to it as an accompaniment. As a product. 
as a product and an accompaniment mm-hmm. to whatever you are doing yeah. that's more important. Yeah. And, and I think that's, that's true of almost all music now. There's yeah. very few pieces of music out there, and I'm specifically thinking chart music, mm. where you're going to sit down and just listen to that and yeah. do nothing else. Yeah. People don't do that anymore. No, that's true. Because the music isn't composed to that mm. it's not complicated it's yeah. poppy it's catchy it's whatever it's like an earworm yeah. while you're doing something else yeah you certainly in this period mid 80s mid to late 80s is where you got music becoming more of a product i think it was it's i think package it is and i think that's mostly down to the fact that and again mm. ranting on um the use of casio uh, keyboards and mm. stuff which built sounds into yeah, them. Yeah. A lot of artists were using mm-hmm. these. A lot of songs were written by people with very little musical talent yep. but they had a Casio yeah. which did half the work for you. Mm-hmm. So you had a lot of music starting now where the person producing it had nothing to say. Yeah. They just wanted to make a hit yeah. and that has progressed down the years and now we've got uh, shows like Pop Idol and mm. whatever who are, you've got nobodies, yeah. and they're going, well, I want to be famous. I've mm. got nothing to say. This is this is generic. It's yeah. not because there are some very good acts out there still. Yeah. But there's a lot of people who want to be famous to be famous, mm. and they're going, well, I can be a pop star. Yeah. And then they, they've got the look and they've got the sound, yeah. so some producer takes them to one side, gets somebody to write some tat, makes the music as cheaply as possible, sends it out, that's now pop music. Yeah. But it's not. It's there's nothing in there. It's yeah. all empty gibberish. Yeah. And it's it's a problem with with musician a lot of musicians mm. now. They want to be musicians to be famous, not because they've got something valid to say yeah. or some mu- interesting music they want to put out there. Yeah, exactly. Those although, sort of, those sort of bands have gone. I think. Although I don't know. Yes, generically, but, gen- generally speaking. But it's starting to come back. Well, the way you know, I'm thinking of people like uh, the, the people like Billie Eilish, for example, who is trying to make music. It's not trying to be famous not trying to make pop music it just that has sort of caught people's attention so she's using drum machines and she's using loops and things but she's trying to make something interesting that she likes and it's not particularly commercial so it's not packaged as such yes and that's starting to come back and like bands are starting to come back and with the rise spotify has got a lot to answer for in terms of music yes but it is also allowing people to release music that a record label wouldn't release yeah which is great and bad at the same time so you're getting people who are acoustic singer songwriters coming in now and people who are in bands who are coming in and being able to release that music that's not a packaged product that's not a record company we need to make a hit you've got to have three hit singles on this album otherwise we're dropping you yeah you we, you know we will we, we'll, you know, we'll sign you to a single deal, and if that single's successful, we'll give you another single, and then if that's successful, we'll give you an album. Yeah, it's becoming more the way it used to be in the early seventies, I think, where people are underground, and there's more of a music scene. Dead people. Yeah, dead people are recording things. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> but it's coming back that way, and and the youth of today uh, are embracing new technologies to to actually to not become a shallow famous pop star like the people who want to go on pop idols yeah they want to make music that they want to hear yeah and so they are that's they they're embracing the new technology and it's taken a long time to get there yeah i mean i'll go back to my original rant about mm. music as you know i love ranting yes um this again happened in the early 90s mm-hmm. um we're talking predominantly in the uk here because mm. this is well, that's where we're from yeah and we don't know obviously you can probably tell by our <laughs> accents but um it's like in the 80s a lot of people 
a lot of people think the 80s was brilliant for music. Mm. As somebody who lived through the 80s, <laughs> I can tell you that it wasn't. There was a lot of great music in the 80s, mm -hmm. but that was outweighed by the much bigger volume of electronic trash mm -hmm. that was available in the 80s. Yeah. If you think of the 80s and go, ah, oh, we'll go to an 80s disco tonight, yeah. I will guarantee you there will be half a dozen bands that they will play. Mm. That is a tiny amount of the music that was put out in the 80s. Mm -hmm. The majority of it was electronic trash. Yeah. The 90s, God bless the 90s, <laughs> that started changing. Yeah. Suddenly we got bands like Oasis, a band I personally don't like. Mm -hmm. However, they started using instruments again. Yeah. And we had a decade of bands reappearing. Not just having an electronic background and warbling away to it, mm -hmm. which is what we had a lot of in the 80s. Yeah. We started to get bands again. As we said on an earlier podcast, so the 20s have been dead to us musically. Mm. Every, everything from 2000 onwards... In the 80s, 90s, we had so many styles of music coming forward. Mm. We had ska, we had reggae coming back, although yeah. that was a, a, mostly late 70s. Mm -hmm. But we had a lot of new new wave music. Yeah. We had a lot of stuff. And in the 90s, we had grunge coming in. Mm -hmm. We had a lot of things coming in. Industrial. Industrial. House. Everything. Mm. But in the 90s, name me one new type of music that we've had, really. Two thousand, yeah. In the, you know, what, what did we really have? What new innovations have we had mm. in music? There have been some, but considering it's been twenty years, yeah. the face of music should have changed phenomenally in twenty years. Mm. We should all be taking music as a pill yeah, or I something. Mean, but you, but nothing's changed. You're thinking about it from when I was getting into Genesis in nineteen eighty-seven. Go back twenty years. That would be nineteen sixty-seven. Yeah. The amount of different types of music. Yeah. Sixty-seven to oh, eighty-seven. Yeah. yeah. Go back forty years from eighty-seven to nineteen. 1947. Yeah. The amount of different types of music in that well, time. Well, well, I wasn't around in 1947, if that's what you're implying. <laughs> but that's, you know, that's 35 years ago. 1987 is 35 years ago. How many different styles of music have there been? When we were growing years? up in those early, not the 40s, when we were growing up in our time, mm -hmm. which was... 40s. When, thank you. <laughs> um, there was an old saying, your parents wouldn't like your music. Mm. That's because they had a different music to you. Yeah. Now, 2020, your parents are listening to the same music as their children mm. because the music hasn't changed. It's, it's become blander, I think. Yeah. You know, the music Westlife, for example. For example. Universally loved by parents and grandparents and yeah. some, some kids are like, yeah. that shouldn't be the case. That should not be the case. You should, be the case. you should literally loathe and detest the music your yeah. children are listening to. Yeah. You shouldn't have the same albums as your children. No. That does not happen. But it has for the last 20, 30 years. Yeah. Don't get me wrong, there are some bands which deserve, from those periods, which deserve to be listened today. Because mm -hmm. they did great music. Like the Beatles. Yeah. You know, they were in the 60s, 70s, mm. and you still listen to them today. Yeah. Great, because they did great music. And they're still, there is some great music mm. out there. But you shouldn't have the same albums as your children. No. But, I mean, what you're talking about as well is it's not just music. Other forms of art have a similar thing. So, you know, you think of Charles Dickens, for example. You remember Charles Dickens because that's good writing. I wasn't born in the 1800s either. <laughs> but we remember Charles Dickens because that's good writing. Yes. How many other hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of books from that time do we not remember? Yeah, the Brontes, stuff like that. But, you know... But there were hundreds of other yeah, people. And you can think of half a dozen yeah. again. And it's the same with music. You know, we think of yeah, Duran Duran or Depeche Mode or I don't know, Adamant or whatever from the 80s. Yeah. 
Yes, they were good, but for every one of those, there were ten other acts at least that weren't as good. Yeah, that we don't remember. And I think that sped up towards the end of the eighties because you get things like Stock Aitken and Waterman churning mass out producing. I mean, the same. Don't get me wrong; they were they were churning them out like Motown did. Well, yeah, exactly. Um, and you could say Motown were the early Stock Aitken mm. and Waterman because yeah. they were just literally it was yeah. a production, yeah. and so was Stock Aitken and Waterman. Yeah. The only thing, the only difference was. Motown had gifted people working mm. for them, and Stock Aitken and Waterman had literally anybody who worked th- walked <laughs> through the door. Yeah, and yeah. unfortunately, that that decimated the late eighties. Yeah, and you know, and the only Stock Aitken and Waterman artist that you could probably name nowadays is Rick Astley. Yeah, that's true. That's probably the only one I can think of. So, and and he's still touring. Yeah, exactly. And he's actually quite good nowadays. He, he's he's a lot more rocky. Is he really? He is, yeah. What boxer? He. He, pe- he played with uh, Foo Fighters. He performed Everlong with Foo Fighters. He's a real big rock fan, rock music fan. Killer me aghast. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. So I'm still not going to see him on tour. Yeah. But you know, actually, a friend of mine did the other week because he was playing a festival around here. Yeah, and he played with a band whose name I forget, The Blossoms, possibly. Um, and they did uh, a short tour of doing Smiths songs. Wow. And Rick Astley was singing with that band. There you go. So, so. Some, but that's that's an exception to the rule because that's more Rick Astley having some talent, <laughs> yes, which has then been exploited by the producers. Mm-hmm. But he's outlasted anything else they've done. Yeah. So yeah. So uh, where were we anyway? <laughs> I don't know. We've just been. We've just been <laughs> I've been trying, ranting. You've been ra- rambling on. This has been a pilot episode of Gary's new podcast. Gary goes off on one. This has been a pilot episode <laughs> of Simon and Gary's when we're in a home <laughs> yeah. episode. Yeah. Mm. But anyway, so. This album, yeah, <laughs> this Phil Collins album. Had you finished t- telling what you thought about this album? I can't remember. I can't remember. Anyway, what anyway, I think about did it I is, did I like it in places? In places, to be sure. Out of the three Phil Collins albums we've reviewed so far, yes, which is your favourite? This one. This one. Yeah, only because I liked a couple of the tracks. Yeah, which I didn't like any of the tracks on mm-hmm. the previous ones. Yeah, really. Fair enough. What do you think, Simon? See, tell me your thoughts. Wrong a, though they are, tell me your. It thoughts. is a very eighties album. Yeah. And I think it's probably his most dated sounding album. Yes. Because of his huge, huge reliance on drum machines and synthesizers. I agree. It really sounds dated listening to it. As now. we said earlier in the podcast, he could have probably toured this entire album yeah. with a drum machine and a Casio. Exactly. Not the um, Casio calculator. I'm talking about the keyboard, obviously. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and I think, like we said earlier, he's a brilliant drummer. Mm. Why? Why is he relying on the drum machine I don't for this know. album? I get it. When he's demoing a song, he needs something to play the drum beat so he can play along with it. Yeah, it's probably quicker to do Record it, that it sing it, drum beat. Brilliant. Boom. Done. I get that. Why isn't he then replacing the drum machine with real drums? He's a brilliant drummer. He does. And he's at his height of his drumming prowess but at this point. But as we said, at this time, everybody's using electronic yeah. music. So if you were... If you were to do proper music with drums and stuff, mm. he probably wouldn't have had the hits he did off this album. Well, possibly, yeah. I mean, there's obviously there's live versions of something like Take Me Home, and he doesn't use the drum machine there. It's proper percussion. Uh, Chester Thompson, in fact. Obviously, it would so, be, yeah. Does it sound better? I, I don't know if it sounds better, but I can imagine many of the other tracks on this album would sound better with real drums. Um, that said, though, it is his most upbeat album. Oh, definitely, by a long way. Spoiler alert, it ain't going to last. Oh. Oh, okay. <laughs> Um, I don't think he'll be this upbeat again. No, not con- not consistently across. Because if you think of this whole album, there's probably what two two tracks, maybe three tracks on this album that aren't upbeat. Yeah, he's not going to be as that consistently upbeat on any of his albums in the future. There's still going to be upbeat tracks, but yeah. 
this is going to shock you because mm. I agree with you. Yeah. Do you want to write this down somewhere? Yeah. I agree with you on your point about this album hasn't aged well. Yeah. And it is entirely the reliance on the electronic side of it. Yeah. However, you have to say, Phil's singing throughout this album mm. has been top notch. Yes, it has. He, he's, he's put in a, a virtuoso performance here. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and I, even the tracks I didn't like, I appreciated his singing. Mm. It was it was very well done. Yeah, I mean, there's a great bunch of musicians. You know, yeah. Daryl on there and, and Leyland Scar. I wish they'd had a chance to shine a bit more. Yeah, exactly. And perhaps the live. Perhaps we should review Serious Hits live when we've got past. But seriously, maybe because that will have tracks from this album played live that maybe it'll change your opinion on them. Perhaps, but perhaps I think, as I say, there were a couple of tracks here which I wasn't very, f- very fond of, mm. but um, there were a couple I did say while, re- while reviewing them yeah. that I wondered how these would have sound yeah. with a proper band playing. Yeah, exactly. And I think most of the tracks on here that aren't, shall we say, my favourites, mm. I think I would change my mind if I heard them live yeah. with a proper track, yeah. proper band. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So, I mean, I like this album, but... I think it's more for sentimental reasons because it was a big part of my teenage years getting into Genesis. This, Visible Touch and So were the three first albums that I properly listened to. Wow. I mean, Foxtrot as well, obviously, as I obviously. said. Obviously. But these three kind of all go together for me. Yeah. And so I like this album, but I do appreciate it's more for sentimental reasons yeah. than it is for musical reasons. And I think, actually, it's his weakest album so far. Yeah, I, I, I see what you're saying, but I, I think the other thing that I find a little off-putting mm. about this album is that it does seem overproduced. Mm. Um, almost, as I said earlier, like a desperation for a hit single yeah it's almost like come on phil you've got to get two or three hit singles out of this mm. and every track bar maybe two is trying so hard mm. to get that hit single feeling and then they, they don't re- release yeah, one yeah. of them which which quite clearly isn't a hit single but yeah. that did become a hit single yeah so what do i know yeah um but it, it this album feels like it's trying hard mm. um and it's just it just produced to death, but not in a good way. Because yeah. you said anybody else would have sat there and gone, oh, the, we are looking back at this yeah. from a time when instruments are back in fashion. Mm-hmm. If you were going to do this track, this album today with a good band mm. playing well, I think this it would sound a lot better than mm. this does, but not at the time. Yeah. But similarly, Mike and the Mechanics, which came out towards the end of 1985, doesn't sound quite as dated because... They don't use much, much electronic yeah. instruments. I mean, yeah, he uses synth horns where he could have easily used real horns. But that album hasn't dated as badly as this one, I don't think. Most of the 80s music, like flared trousers, mm. should stay where they were in time. Yeah. They should not resurge and come back. No, definitely not. And flared trousers, definitely not. So, Phil agrees with us, though. Does he? That. Yeah, because he's did a series of interviews with 2016 um, when all his back catalogue was re-released, reissued, and he said that in an interview that this is now his least favourite album because he thinks it sounds really dated. Really? Yeah. So, uh-huh. but then you know, you as we said, hindsight's a wonderful thing. It is. And at the time, who knew electronic music was going to go out of fashion? Well, exactly. So that's No Jacket Required then. What are your thoughts on that album, listeners? No Jacket Required? You can email us at revelationstationpodcast at gmail.com. Find us on Facebook as well. Join us there. Also, if you want to subscribe to our Patreon, you can join us there for the low, low price of £1 a month. And so far, our patrons have had at least seven bonus episodes that haven't been released 
on the regular feeds. So it's well worth it. There'll be a bonus episode for this podcast as well. Can't remember what I'm going to do for it, though, to be honest. Um, but some of the bonus episodes that our listeners of our subscribers on Patreon have already had have been a, a review of the Spectral Mornings 2015 EP, Peter Gabriel 3's German album review. They've also had a review of Mike's autobiography and several Mike and the Mechanics bonus episodes. So come along and join us for £1. I think you'll find it's worth it, probably, if you like more of this. But anyway, thanks for listening. I suppose we better get back to Gary and see how he's doing. Gary, are you still alive? Gary? I'm feeling better. Good, I should hope so, after listening to that fantastic album. No, despite listening to that fantastic album. You're still not dead yet, but I suppose with your complexion, it's kind of hard to tell. Can we just get moving? Gentlemen. Where? No, I mean, gentlemen, I'm glad I caught you up. I've managed to decipher the symbols. They seem to indicate that it is a large, how you say, vault? Vault. See, vault up ahead. Right, this is definitely the place. Come on. Oh my word, Simon. Would you look at the size of that thing? It has to be the biggest thing I've ever seen. (laughs) Well, thank you, gentlemen. I thought these shots were a bit tight when I put them on this morning, but... No, you idiot. The vault door. Oh, see. The door. It's massive. Yeah, crack it open, would you? Crack it open? It's got to be 30 feet high. No, gentlemen. Make up your mind. Are there gentlemen or aren't there? No, senor. The symbols say that only the perfect wind of a cattle can open the door. Where would I plug a kettle in here? There's no power. No, not a kettle. A cattle. The Aztec god of air and winds. We need his perfect wind. Well, Gary usually has wind, but let me tell you from experience, it's far from perfect. No, no. In Aztec culture, this usually refers to music. Look around for a musical instrument. Found something. It looks like a frog made of stone. And there are holes in it. Senor, let me see. See. See, this is it. So you're saying that to open the lock on this tomb, we just have to blow through this stone frog and get a perfect note. Is that correct? See, but it is not a stone frog. It is a very old, real frog. It has, how you say, turned to stone. Turned to stone. Ah, right you are. Uh, Gary, hold this and blow through it. Not again. I've told you before, I'm very flattered, but I don't swing that way. No, you idiot. This frog... Blow up it. I'm not blowing up a frog's Just off. do it. It's okay. It's petrified. So would I be if someone was about to blow up my Just heart. get on with it. We need that precise note. Well, okay. But you had better not film this. <sighs> that didn't sound like a perfect note. No. Look, it is now broken. See, it has lost its head. Yes, it has lost its head. I'd lose my head if someone was blowing up my arm. Yes, yes, all right. Well, now what are we going to do? We could try humming it. Humming a precise note to open a musical lock. I've heard you sing. Notes, precise or otherwise, don't appear to be in your vocal range. No, we need another plan. 
Well, I've got a piece of paper in my pocket. If we can just find a comb. No, gentlemen. Finally, a decision. We need someone. A man who has mastered the art of music. And I think I know the very person. He could help you. Oh, yes. And just where is this man? Well, there we have the problem, I think. He is in the prison. The maximum security wing. But he could do it. He could open this lock, I think. Maximum security prison. Of course he is. And just who is this master musician? Ah, Signor, an old friend of mine. I knew him when he was at school, and we remained friends ever since. I doubt you would know him. His name is Signor Tony Banks. Sorry? Pardon? <laughs> well, blow me. I'm not even going to rise to that bait. You have been listening to the Revelation Station podcast, written and performed by Simon Heldridge and Gary Starr, but mostly Gary though. Send any feedback to revelationstationpodcast at gmail.com. Thank you for listening, and we look forward to seeing you next time. This has been a Revelation Station podcast. Damn it, production! That Darren, I can't say. Oh, it again. Darren Strummer. Yeah, <laughs> I'm happy that Daryl Strummer. 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 A little bit, but to be Phil, to, to be Phil, to be Phil, to, to be, be Phil for a minute. Oh, I'm just feeling Phil for a minute. <laughs> I can't even look at you. Can't even look at you. I'm so mad. <laughs> right. The end. Ta-da, another masterpiece. Continue.